Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every day, we rise. Challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Blogging Theology. Today, I'm delighted to talk to Abdullah Andalusi. You're most welcome, sir. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Uh, thank you so much for inviting uh, me on your show. It's an honor and a pleasure. Absolute pleasure for me, sir. Uh, for those who don't know, Abdullah is an international speaker, thinker, and intellectual activist for Islam and Muslim affairs. He is a researcher for the I3 Institute, an instructor and head of the Department of Occidentology at the Crown Institute, and co-founder of the discussion forum, the Muslim Debate Initiative. For 20 years now, his work has been uh, in explaining and de demonstrating the intellectual proofs for the Islamic belief system, promoting the Islamic way of life and Islamic solutions for contemporary problems and advocating for the rights of Muslims across the world. Abdullah has taught a number of courses and has given a variety of lectures at universities and colleges internationally. You can see many of these on YouTube, of course. But I think he's better known for his numerous TV uh, appearances and public debates about more, more of which in a second. And tonight he will discuss uh, the treatment of Muslims on right wing channels and the right wing position against Muslims, the recent events in Gaza and the changing position of the political class in light of Israel's increasingly evident genocide. So let's drill down now in some more more detail. And um, Abdullah will discuss uh, key points Muslims need to know when advocating for Gaza and the Palestinians, especially in light of these four shows, these TV shows. You might have seen them this, just this week on Piers Morgan's show. He's a British journalist guy. His show, the Piers Morgan Uncensored, as it's called, on talk TV. This had a huge impact, actually, on, on the media. So the first interview was uh, with uh, an English uh, Muslim a doctor called Dr. Abdul Wahid, and that was on the 11th of December. I, I assume you watched the Dr. Ab uh, Dr. Abdul Wahid interview? Yes, yes, I, I did with uh, much interest. Yeah, uh, so did I. And now what were your thoughts about the interview uh, with, with him? Well, um, predictably, I think it was uh, a kind of a, 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 a trap uh, for Dr. Whitehead, they clearly had prepared yeah. in the kind of uh, the, I forgot what they call the lower third titles. Uh, as soon as he came on, they say you know extremist uh, exposed yes. and blah 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 um, doctor. So they they came on to basically make it a sensationalist piece and to um, attack him to ask him things like you know uh, how could you be a doctor uh, with these views? Um, how can you expect anyone to 
uh, to even want to uh, solicit your advice and your um, attention as in your profession as a doctor, uh, knowing that you have these views, even though these views have nothing to do with how he practices. So, so this what, was... why is he? Why is Dr. Abdul uh, Wahid so controversial? Because he's been in the media quite a bit in the recent weeks, isn't he? Yes. Uh, so basically, Dr. Abdul Wahid uh, uh, is, um, uh, I think, a senior member of uh, Hizb al-Tahrir, uh, which is uh, an international uh, peaceful political party which calls for the re-establishment uh, of the Khilafah, which is the, uh, the a unitary system of, of Muslims, the Muslims to be ruled under uh, with one Imam, uh, which is as taught by the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, and the, the Sahabas as they practiced. So the, to revive basically this um, practice that hasn't been Im implemented and established for over a hundred years now. So, so uh, he's well, not calling, just to, just to clarify, he, uh, Abdul, Abdul Wahid is not calling for the caliphate in the United Kingdom or Europe, is he? It's just in the Muslim no. world, is that right? Yeah, uh, as he as he expressed on the show, it was for the Muslim world because uh, right. it's 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 an obligation for Muslims uh, to be united. The Quran says, "Do not be divided amongst yourselves." And so, as Muslims, we have to not be divided. And divided can only mean not that we all agree with each other on every single point. That's impossible. Not even the Sahabas, the the companions of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, agreed with everything or with each other. They had all agreements, but they were politically united. It was of utmost importance to the point that. Um, Abu Bakr Radanhum uh, launched a war uh, to stop people from spitting away right. because the obligation was so important. Uh, as the Quran says, not for our strength, not to depart, you know, by us, our bickering and our infighting. So we have to be united uh, so that we can uh, call to the to Tawheed, call to the oneness of, of God, uh, a, a, a comprehensive Tawheed in all aspects of human affairs and, and make God's word the highest. So this is what is the standard orthodox Islamic thinking behind the issue of Khilafah. The issue of Khilafah is not uh, a monopoly of Hizb al uh, It is standard orthodoxy in classical thinking on, on in actually every school of thought. Um, in uh, 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 Piers Morgan shows you say the ticker tape at the bottom, even before he said a single word, uh, had already labeled him an extremist. So, in other words, he set up the audience to go boo, boo, you know, uh, even before they've heard the man speak, you know. So, it's a terrible way of, tr of treating people. But the point you make is that the, the thing that the, the, the doctor is calling for is actually normative Islam, it's mainstream Islam, it's the Islam represented by all schools of thought, all sects, all groups in Islamic history. So it's not exactly extremist. It's it's just normative Islam, isn't it? Is that right? Yes. Uh, as I said, open up any classical uh, scholar's book for 1,300 years um, uh, from any school of thought you'd care to mention and think of. And they all say exactly the same thing. It is an obligation for Muslims uh, to be under um, it, for in lands that Muslims control the sovereignty over. So we control the, the, the rule over it, i.e. a Muslim majority land or what have you. Uh, that the highest law of the land is the law of, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So his word is the highest. Mm. And that there can be no divisions between Muslim lands. Right. Uh, I, 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 it's not calling for, um, not just not calling for the caliphate in England. He's not calling for Sharia law uh, either. I, I say that because that was one of the questions yeah. uh, that he was asked. Do you think um, Piers was unfair to Dr. Wahid compared to his non-Muslim guests? Oh, very much so. I mean... You know, the asking the leading question, and, I want, and you mentioned that, it's good you mentioned that, which is, uh, he asked him, do you want to see mm. Sharia 
in England, right? Mm-hmm. And now, this is one of those questions where it's it's vague enough such that if you say, if a, if a person was to respond yes, because mm-hmm. they think that Sharia is the best law for mankind, they it, it gives rights, it gives... He understands human nature, so he gives the appropriate solution. So he wants wants all human beings to open up the Quran, uh, embrace it voluntarily, and want to establish this law. So every so you could say that the person who uh, believes that Sharia law is is the law of the Creator of the universe for mankind would want to see that, as in they desire it. Mm-hmm. But when if you were to say yes to that. Uh, the, uh, this right wing platform would make it look to all these to its its audience that oh Muslims are actively trying to transform the law of the UK into yeah. um, Islamic law just simply because they say wouldn't you want this and because and, and the, the word the word Sharia itself has a certain dog whistle quality in the Western media in Western civilization so it has certain connotations of hand chopping or stoning and so on which is a very unfair representation of Sharia which is much more to do with, uh, in terms of the, the legal Sharia, the Islamic law, to do with, I don't know, inheritance and prayer and how you worship and and uh, and and other sort of commercial business. It's only the tiniest slither of the legal system is concerned with the Hudu punishments. And even then, those punishments are really misunderstood in the West as well. But that's a whole different subject. But Pierre's putting it that way is a way of kind of triggering, arguably, triggering that response in his audience. You have no real understanding of what the subject is about so they are going to respond in a uninformed reactionary way which is exactly what peers would like of course to discredit his guest would you agree with that well, well indeed i mean I, I consider it to be one of those questions that has uh, two horns in it right where so you're you're either mauled by one horn or you're mauled by the other horn so if you say yes the the audience will be made to think that um the the guest wants to establish islamic law by force and force on every non-muslim and subjugate them and if they say no uh then it makes it obviously obviously it makes the, the muslim uh look out to be that they they feel that their own law system is not the best system in the world it's not it's substandard and they have to pr- protect people from it so don't come near me you don't catch the cold don't catch covid from me or something like this right i don't know we don't want to we want to we don't want you to uh we don't i don't want to see anyone else um benefit from uh sharia law so it's this the way it's f- formulated uh, is, as a yes or no question, uh, you know, rem- destroys the context. Whereas the the Islamic uh, understanding of it is that uh, Sharia law is not even or Sharia because uh, Sharia just means law. Um, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a famous tautology, isn't it? Yeah, yeah there's there's a Jewish text in Arabic in, um, that was written in Egypt where it describes it just it, it talks about uh, uh, Sharia Yahudiya, right? So uh, Jewish law, right? But it uses the word Sharia because it's just an Arabic word uh, that can be applied to mean uh, law. So uh, this Islamic understanding is that even in uh, under a caliphate system in the Middle East uh, for for centuries and centuries, Christians and Jews and Zoroastrians were not under Islamic law. They had they were they were pig farms in it was noted by a, tra- a Muslim traveler in 10th century Iraq. He was passing by, saw a Christian like what, what pig farms? Yes, yeah, that's, that's a Christian town. Ah, okay, right, that's and then. You know, and, uh, and they can drink alcohol. Christians can drink alcohol, even though it's prohibited for Muslims. But this is in this under Islamic, under Muslim rule, and the Ottoman Empire, and the millet. It's called the millet system, which is very well known, well, well documented. It went on for centuries. So Christians and Jews and others had their rights. They could live according to their own light, their own laws. They weren't forced to obey Sharia law. It's not. Is it not? Perhaps not accurate to say that there was zero. Obviously, if you committed murder, say you were, you know, you, you were 
uh, you know, if a Christian killed a Christian, presumably then they were tried under Islamic law, were they, or, or not? Well, it, it, it was more. Um, it was more basically a case of uh, anyone who walks into an Islamic court um, mm. will 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 be judged by an Islamic court. But if you choose not to go into an Islamic court, no one's going to force you to come in if you are non-Muslim. Okay. So uh, we know this because there were there there is uh, documentation of uh, Egyptian in uh, Islamic Egypt. Um, uh, I think maybe ninth ninth century or so, where some uh, where uh, some Christians, some Jews went into Islamic courts to seek settlements for divorce and what have you, uh, because they want they felt that it gave them a better okay. better a better settlement than their own their own courts. But no one compelled them to come in. Uh, so right. so no one's going to close the door to non-Muslims who want to go into Islamic court. However, uh, if a killing happens, Christian versus Christian, Jew versus Jew, in their own community, that's for their own community to sort out. In many no. cases, the, the, each community uh, had their own police, uh, for example. Um, so they had their own police, they had their own law, uh, law courts, and their law courts... Yeah, autonomy then within the, the wider empire. They had autonomy. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, from, uh, from the Sharia law. And again, this is not something that's appreciated in the West I mean, outside of academic circles and Muslim circles, obviously, but in the wider public. And Piers Morgan showed no understanding of that, let alone any nuance in the few things he might have understood. But do you think that he demonstrated specifically Islamophobic sentiments towards Islam and yeah. Muslims? Well, um, I, I mean, that, that, that's, uh, I suppose, a point of dispute. Um, but I, I wanted to just bring in something very quickly, what you said previously, yeah. which yeah. is um, a, a little term I introduced, which is... Um, you could say uh, confessional federalism, right? Oh, yeah. uh, that that um, an Islamic system, a, a caliphate system, that the Miller system uh, was actually about. Uh, it wasn't based on territory. So, like this territory or that territory is is, is federalized. Although there are territories where you might say this is uh, an autonomous zone for uh, Jews or Christians, um, uh, but by zone there was no walls or borders. Right, you, anyone could freely go in and out. There's no what have you. No, but they, no they just acknowledge that. No visas needed. No passports needed. No, uh, no, no checkpoints or all that kind of stuff. I got a friend of mine who went from Egypt to Saudi Arabia for for Hajj, and he needed a visa. You know, it's all part of the Islamic world, but that wouldn't have happened under when the Islam was generally practiced throughout the Islamic world. There was free movement of peoples. Yeah, there was no uh, divisions, um, as the uh, the Quran warns us not to have. But today we have these divisions, which are which are called borders. But the the point being is that. Uh, Islam came not to force non-Muslims to embrace Islam or be under Islamic law. Islamic law only can benefit Muslims. It can't increase the righteousness of someone who rejects or disbelieves in Islam. Mm -hmm. uh, so what's the point? Right? What's the point of making a Christian not drink alcohol uh, because it's prohibited for Muslims? It's not going mm -hmm. to increase their righteousness um, mm -hmm. because they, they first must believe in, in the latest prophet. The, the the final prophet, uh, in order to uh, to kind of uh, attain righteousness, because as we know, um, you can't reject any prophet that 
the greater sense to mankind, even if it's you're, you're oh, but I'm following an old version, you know, the old, you know, uh, of uh, uh was it um, uh, Mac OS or whatever? I thought, you know, I don't need this later version, it's not like that, right? It's not like, oh, I'm happy with an older version. No, you have to, uh, if the creator sends a new prophet, you must follow a new prophet. So, there's no point uh, anyway in forcing uh, people who uh, don't want to believe in Islam to practice it in essence. So, that's why Islamic law is not even applied on non-Muslims within an Islamic uh, uh, system. All that yeah. is applied, all that is, hold, is held to, and this is a question your audience might ask is, that if a, um, let's say, a Muslim interacts with a Christian negatively, uh, kills them, or a Christian uh, kills a Muslim, um, or so on, uh, this will be dealt with according to the terms of an agreement called the dhimma, which is, in essence, a social contract, uh, as uh, Rousseau would say, uh, which would stipulate uh, the and regulate the interactions between communities, uh, and it's it's it is negotiated upon the time of their incorporation into mm -hmm. an Islamic system, and then it'll be held as a as a standard and rights that will guarantee their rights and guarantee the rights of Muslims uh, in their interaction, but allowing them at the same time, very importantly, uh, their autonomy. And it's not just their autonomy to 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 have divorces or marriages, which, which in some Western countries there is some degree of latitude to uh, religious uh, rules on this no their criminal law system uh, if whatever whatever christians might interpret a, a criminal or penal system to be that they can apply that and and the you know jewish law and its penal system can be applied within the jewish community amongst between jews who believe in that system so it's a full full powers to their courts, not just a, a, re, a reduced power. Anyway, I just want to thought I might make that clear. You know, it's also struck me as what you described there is very pluralist. I mean, pluralist in the in a, in a very real fundamental sense. So rather than kind of pluralism we have in the West, which is basically within a, a one size fits all legal system. In other words, there's no pluralism. Here you have a, a, a jurisprudential pluralism, actually, which recognizes the confessional legal systems of different communities. And, and, and that is something the West... Uh, really can't handle and doesn't want and won't allow. I mean, it's actually prohibited. You know, think, think how strongly that, that that belief in one system for everyone uh, is held by Britain and America. But in Islam, that there there is a, there is this plurality at a fundamental level. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, as I said, you know, Islam doesn't have plurality for its own sake, as in just to, to check the box. Hey, look, we're pluralistic. It's mm. just recognizing uh, the the salvific reality as well as the human reality that firstly there's no point forcing islam onto non-muslims because it, forcing them to practice islam when they don't believe it it's not going to save anybody mm -hmm. um in the hereafter um for those who are insincere and want to reject uh, truth and secondly is people if they don't believe in a system how can you expect them to follow it mm -hmm. right the only thing they can follow the only thing that's left is they must stick to their agreements which is why Islam's reality, Islam's kind of relationship between Muslims and non-Muslims is governed by agreement that's negotiated between the communities, and that forms the basis of, of the interaction. So, okay, you have a different law system, I have a different law system, we might not agree on all the particulars, but here's what, here's, we're going to let's negotiate as to when we have interactions between us, how are we going to resolve the, any problems or issues or tensions, and when it's you're left to your business when it's within your community. I'm left to my business within my community. But when we interact, we have this mutually agreed document uh, that right. can uh, govern our, our relations and ensure uh, kind of harmonious coexistence. So this is, um, I think, the more enlightened Islamic approach uh, to it. But anyway, sorry, um, you, you asked me a question, so I'll go back yeah. to that one. Here's Morgan uh, demonstrated Islamophobic sentiments uh, during the interview that you saw. 
Uh, well, certainly, uh, you know, the question is, so I think what happened, just to remind the audience, was, um, mm. you know, Dr. Abdul Wahid was, uh, was speaking to, uh, to uh, Piers Morgan, and Piers Morgan was brought up, I think the, the discussion about women's rights came up. Oh, and yes. and yeah. so Dr. Abdul Wahid asked Piers Morgan, like, why do you think uh, so many women uh, are, want to, uh, are embracing Islam more than men? And in that discussion, Piers Morgan kind of responded uh, with a question. Right, it's like, is it because they want to be oppressed, uh, according to you, or something like this? I see he kind of tried to get a caveat there, but at one point he did say, right, when I think Dr. Abdullahi talked about uh, Sharia and what Sharia can give women in terms of rights, he, uh, Piers Morgan said, I, I, if I, I won't remember exactly, but he said um, along the lines of, I, um, I know very well what Sharia does, uh, does to women or uh, what, what it gives to women. Um, in a in a in implying it's uh, it's not not a positive way, right? And this is viewed as a by some to be a Freudian slip as to uh, Piers Morgan's perhaps uh, perceptions of Islam. And then he went to go and obviously discuss um, at a later later show uh, with Dili Hussein. Uh, he brought up the example of the Taliban and um, how women are treated under the Taliban and um, and so on. Mm. Now, uh, also people have asked. Questions of regarding when uh, Piers Morgan has engaged Dr. Abdul Wahid on the issue of homosexuality mm. and homosexuals and LGBTQ, and people have juxtaposed that with his interview uh, with Ben Shapiro, who's a uh, practicing Jew and he believes in Jewish law, and he rejects uh, obviously uh, uh, gay marriage and or non-traditional marriage or whatever how it's defined. Uh, he said he said that his religion doesn't accept this. Uh, and his religion has a certain understanding or model for a family. But, of course, uh, Ben Shapiro's religion, like Islam, uh, believed that the, the practice of, of same-sex uh, relations outside of marriage, or even uh, you know, opposite-sex relations outside of marriage, uh, is forbidden. It's a sin. Yeah, any, any, any sexual activity outside of marriage, uh, yeah. But yeah. And yeah. so people raise questions like, why, why is Piers... Uh, approaching Ben Shapiro with not even challenging him and not saying that, yeah. uh, you know, uh, oh, do you think uh, homosexuality is a sin? Didn't ask him that question. Okay. Uh, but as far as I'm, I, I can recall, but that question was asked of Dr. Abdul Wahid. So why this different treatment between mm. a Muslim and uh, a non Muslim guest? And in this particular case, a guest, he was, he was Jewish. And I, and I mentioned that because Judaism and Islam have an immense amount of similarities in Indeed. like like christianity yeah but very, uh, islam and christianity are much more similar than say judaism and christianity and that's the irony people in the west talk about judeo-christian values is they're very similar but actually the similarities with islam and judaism and christianity is the outlier the one that's very very different from either of those two religions so ironic really so on the next um of those uh four shows uh the piers morgan uncensored show on talk tv uh just in the last uh, seven days, well, a few days ago, actually, on the 12th of December, it's like on the 12th day of Christmas. And the other day, <laughs> 12th day, oh, sorry, that's a... Oh, from the Advent calendar, the Piers Morgan yeah, Advent calendar. calendar. Yeah. Yeah. From that Advent calendar, um, we find a panel discussion called Fit to Practice, uh, the fallout. This is after the Dr. Abdul video, a video uh, interview, rather, of course. And this was um, that uh, discussion that you had uh, yourself with a Canadian-Palestinian medical doctor uh, who was born in, in, in Gaza, along with the, the famous or infamous uh, Douglas Murray, 
Um, and um, I understand that Douglas Murray made uh, the comment that the number of dead, a huge, huge, unprecedented number of dead reported in, uh, in Gaza, this statistic comes from Hamas and therefore should be discarded for some reason. Um, is there a good cause to doubt the numbers, do you think? Was Douglas May right to cast doubt simply because it was a mess? Sure. So, yeah, this was the, the, the second show um, of this kind of week week's marathon of um, Palestinian dis um, and, and uh, uh, Israeli uh, discussions and narratives and uh, being uh, being appearing on the show. And this the show was um, uh, that it was titled fit to practice, uh, meaning is Abdul Wahid was referring to the show that happened the day right. before. Is right. he fit to practice as uh, practice being a doctor? Uh, and then it's the fallout. So this show was very ad hoc. Um, and I was only contacted to go on this show uh, about just a, just only a few hours before. Really? Oh, my goodness. Go on air. That's a, that call. Would you like to come on live national television in a couple of hours? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, you know, how quick can you get it, basically? Yeah, um, and so, uh, I, yeah, I had to rush, and it was okay. it was one of those cases where there was not even there's no time to prep, there's no time for, uh, but the, the what was at stake, of course, uh, was was quite important because there was the, I had seen that program the day before, and well, I felt that how um, Dr. Abdul Wahid was was treated uh, was not like how other guests were were treated. Um, there were things that were used. Uh, against uh, Dr. Abdul Wahid, uh, which I, I think is uh, was rather unreasonable, uh, trying to uh, kind of uh, attack him for what some some it was that it was that a protest at a demonstration for Gaza, and this is what the show was based on was that at this demonstration for Gaza, Abdul Wahid was there, and there was like these two people uh, on the side of that demonstration, and they were shouting jihad, jihad, and yeah. so this was used against. Uh, Abdul Wahid saying, uh, you know, your group has Hizbudahriyeh and so on. Uh, at this demonstration, your your members were shouting uh, jihad. Well, it's not his members. I mean, like people just turn up to a demonstration. It's only the members of that group. This, it was uh, there was all kinds of people turning up. So, so that fallout. I'm, I'm not sure the exact fallout uh, that was being discussed, but it did, it did appear on some newspapers, online newspapers afterwards after that, uh, the show aired. Obviously, mm. uh, attacking Dr. Abdul Wahid, although he was already a, he was already in the news before that, which is what led to yeah. Piers Morgan's um, uh, yeah. show about him. So they didn't they didn't kind of start an expose on him. It was already done uh, already, uh, yeah. and those those issues were already raised. But Piers Morgan wanted to uh, to interrogate um, Dr. Abdul Wahid rather than interview him. I, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, so then okay. This is the fallout. So, okay, I come in to to discuss the, those those those, uh, those the fallout okay, topics. Pause you. I'm just very curious to know. Did you get a telephone call from someone? Did you get a telephone call from the production team or a producer or something from Sky News? How how did it happen? And did they send uh, like a chauffeur driven car, or did they expect you to get the bus <laughs> to the studio? Or uh, I mean, uh, has it actually worked? Just get you get a phone call. Hello, we're from Sky News or whatever. We want you on your show in two hours. I mean, <laughs> is that what they said? Uh, well, it's it's not like uh, it's almost evokes the you know like uh, the possibility of, like like um, uh, you know Mission Impossible where the the yeah. agent gets his contact you know uh, uh, Good evening, agent, whatever yeah. you know. Uh, yeah, you have a mission. Get to yeah. Yeah, and this message will self destruct in thirty seconds and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, well, basically, so I I had already been on the, that show before the Piers Morgan show oh. right. um, last year. 
there was a it was on the uh on the ad well it was after the uh, attack against Salman Rushdie right uh which occurred um and they want they got me on and they also got Douglas Murray on again because of you know um, apparently was that the first time you met him Douglas Murray no 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 I've I actually really? encountered him in the flesh uh oh, it, many years ago on a B, uh, on the BBC program called The Big Questions. Oh yes, I remember. Uh, that. Part of a panel discussion. You, you, Again, you've got a bit of history, a bit of form with him, haven't you? Then you you, you know each other from some several TV appearances. Uh, yes, you could say that. Uh, unfortunately, we never really have a, had a proper debate because what oh. usually happens is, so I express uh, some of my arguments and points, um, and then uh he is basically he comments on what i say and then i am prevented from responding to him uh, right. right generally speaking so i'm rather i'm rather kind of limited or prevented um, in many cases uh from having a proper response to him whereas his response to me is usually uh uninterrupted and they give him uh, plenty of speaking time to say right. as much as he wants uh right. usually involving ad hominems against myself we quite likes that um, yeah but yeah. So here's uh, the advantage. She's given the advantage over over you deliberately. Then, yeah. Yeah. I, now, initially, when I heard he was coming on, I was thinking, well, it might be worth it to uh, to engage him on a, a one point that I really wanted to engage him on was something he said during an interview recently, where he equated anti-Zionism with anti-Semitism. Oh, yeah. Okay. And he said that uh, Muslims don't love Palestinians. This is what he said. Muslims don't love each, uh, other Muslims. All right. The only reason that Muslims are protesting and demonstrating against what's happening in Gaza is because they hate Jews. That's what he was basically arguing. Yeah, which is completely ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, completely ridiculous. And his yeah. argument was, um, sorry, uh, his argument was that these the different the reason why the, uh, he he his argument he evidence he proffered for this was that the different Muslim rulers, because they don't seem to come to the aid of the Gazans. It demonstrates that Muslims don't care about other Muslims, and that was his evidence. Right? Serious? That that that's such a incredibly stupid argument. When you know basic facts about the world and the uh, the asymmetry of power, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, that that um, gosh, yeah. Uh, and so, and, and and he said it was um, that the reason uh, that yeah Muslims uh, were demonstrating against Zionists was because they hate Jews, and he used the term because they have an ancient hatred. Right. That was the term he used. And I wanted to when I when I heard I'm, I'm actually going to share a platform with him. That was actually going to be um, I was I, I said, you know, what? I, I'm going to do this so I can bring this. I can respond to this because this is ridiculous and very dangerous to uh, the rights of people who are demonstrating for uh, Gazans and Palestinians. Yeah, because it, it, it takes away the legitimacy uh, completely if they're just doing it because they hate people. That's not a. You know that that's not noble. You can close a march down like that easily. Hey, it's just hate march, as the Home Secretary at the time said. Actually, you could even argue uh, if they get their way that um, the, the slightest support for the Palestinians is mm. racism. They'll say because it's it's anti-Jewish or anti-Semite, uh, as anti-Semitic. And this is the danger of allowing that narrative to go un unchecked. Yeah. And I was gonna go on the program. Initially, my I, my reason for agreeing to go on the program was. I thought that I might that he might be in the on the in the studio, and um, I could engage him and just simply ask this question that you know you said is an ancient hatred. Um, I think you need to look in the mirror. Um, which 
which civilization was the one who who believed that the Jews killed Jesus, the the savior of mankind, quote unquote, right? It's not mm-hmm. us, right? We don't believe it. Who which civilization coined the the blood libel, the idea that uh, Jews kill the babies of Gentiles and mm-hmm. and, and and mix it into their um, uh, mats of bread or something like this? I forgot what it, what, what it was uh, the, as part of their, their rituals. It's not from the it's not from the Muslim world. No. Yeah. Uh, no, it, who, it's a Christian virus that uh, basically that, but when it was secularized, was taken up by the National Socialists, of course, in Germany. Yeah, uh, I mean, who believed in the, the the superiority of the Germanic race or Germanic uh, races, right? and mm-hmm. and the inferiority of the Semitic races, which, as we know, um, in the nineteenth uh, century, this idea of the superiority of the Germanic races. Uh, was juxtaposed with the inferiority of of races such as black uh, people from, uh, from you know, sub-Saharan Africa and, and mm. other places, and Semites, which included Arabs, because Semites were part of that, and Phoenicians, which is a, a an older term for people from uh, Lebanon and Syria and so on and so forth. Um, so this is where the term anti-Semitic comes from, uh, which is the people citing the superiority of the Germanic race over the, the Semites, who are meant to be the inferior uh, mm-hmm. race. And if you, uh, I mean, Douglas Murray, if you, uh, he talks about, as you probably are, are aware from the many years of here, of, 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 we've all been uh, hearing his, um, uh, what, what some might argue is hate speech. Um, he's been talking about the you know superiority of Western civilization, its moral and ethical superiority. Uh, it's being taken over by, uh, a, a minority that has different practices, different values, different culture, and it's it's a threat to Western civilization, and we have to deal with it. Uh, he also famously said that conditions for Muslims must be made harder across the board to make uh, England a less uh, attractive place to uh, to immigrate to, and so, and so on and so forth. Now, if you take out the word or phrase Western civilization and replace it with Germanic people, and you take out the word Muslim from his books and you replace it with a Jew or Jews, it would not be out of place in the rhetoric of the British Union of Fascists under mm. Oswald Mosley a hundred years ago uh, in England, and as, as well as fascists and other anti-Semites throughout Europe a hundred years ago, because we've heard this this rhetoric before. Maybe the terms have slightly changed a little bit. Yeah. We don't we don't call um Western civilization, uh, the Germanic uh, uh, peoples anymore, or Germanic race, we call it just Western civilization now. Um, but that was, I was going to raise these issues, that the ancient hatred doesn't come from Muslims who have the same theology as as, as uh, Jews and Judaism concerning we believe in one God, we don't believe in Trinity, we don't believe in the incarnation of God in, in the human uh, we flesh. We believe in divine law as well, something the Christians, of course, have abandoned in favor of a secular uh, order which which is completely unresponsive to divine commands uh so they completely abandoned religion of jesus and religion of moses uh, arguably so yeah but um, uh, i was, was going to mention also okay. that uh you know uh the uh, meat that has been you know uh butchered according to you know uh kashrut or kosher laws which is uh, law, uh, jewish under jewish law is yeah. is clean for us we can't actually have other meat um yeah. i know there's there's a there's different opinion some might say christians also included uh, Christian but, uh, butchered meat is also included as as clean, mm. but what we all there's a consensus in, in that uh, meat that has been richly sorted through the hand passed by the hands of Jews is clean for Muslims to eat. No, it's yeah. clean meat for us. Well, it's, uh, it's not a, a, an enlightened opinion of Muslims. It's in the Quran. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you're allowed to eat the meat, the food of the people of the book. 
but and, and marry them, yeah, as well. And you can marry their women as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you should wish to. Um, but just to come back to the comment made by Douglas Murray that the number of dead reported in Gaza, which is obviously rapidly increasing and uh, unprecedented number of deaths uh, mm -hmm. uh, since Second World War, I think, um, is um, that these figures are coming from the Hamas Health Authority, literally, and should therefore be discarded. Is there any good reason, do you think, to doubt these numbers? Yeah, so basically, um, yeah, so in the show, uh, the uh, as we mentioned, the amount of dead that happened that was uh, that occurred in, in Gaza, um, because this was primarily the main uh, the, the show, although it was about Abdul Wahid in, in theory, and, it, and he was mentioned um, now and again, it, it became about Gaza because we wanted to bring it right back to the issue of Gaza because uh, that, that was the, the, the key yeah. point. As we mentioned, the amount of dead um, yeah. that the Palestinians have uh, suffered, yeah. and so. Uh, Douglas Murray, I mean, like I want uh, at a point, Piers Morgan, uh, when faced with our questions and our interrogation of him, uh, decided to phone a friend, as they say, um, in um, <laughs> Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and get Douglas Murray um, in, who was allowed uninterrupted speaking time, uh, at least not from he was interrupted by Piers Morgan. And he started off the bat uh, by disputing the numbers of dead. Uh, that have been reported by the health ministry, the Gazan health ministry, yeah. by saying that because they are ministry under uh, the uh, Hamas government, uh, that you should doubt uh, the numbers. It's just uh, propaganda. It's, it's just been um, blown out of proportion um, and so on and so forth. The problem with this uh, is that, OK, you know, there, you know, I, I know that we should always check and uh, we, we need to, we need to verify. And if there's cause to to doubt, then, of course, uh, we should always uh, be skeptical uh, where necessary. But this completely um, ignores the fact that for the because it's not the first war that's been happening. Well, calling it a war is what is uh, is actually uh, it's, almost, um, it's, it's a genocide. But yeah, it's yeah. yeah, it's a genocide. It's it, a war implies it's they're, they're on equal yeah. footing. Uh, they're, they're, they're not. Um, so in, in previous in previous, um, I call it uh, suppressions of Gaza by Israel, probably the better word for it, um, where up over a thousand Gazans have died. Um, in every single time in the past where the casualties have been reported by the Gazan Health Ministry, um, later on, Israel has basically come up with roughly the same figures. Right. So, and figures have been accepted, I understand, by the United Nations and other independent agencies the, the hamas health authority repeatedly uh, the journalists of the guardian have commented this that there's never been any reason to doubt these figures actually in the past they've always turned they've always been reliable so Doug, unless douglas moe's got some fantastic new insight it, it sounds like he's just been prejudiced against hamas because he doesn't like hamas well um he, he wants to downplay the casualties that the gardens have faced uh, yeah. because it draws attention uh, uh, and this is what i I believe it's because he it draws attention, uh, unwanted attention uh, to uh, the sheer atrocity that yeah. has that uh, Israel is committing against the Palestinians in Gaza, and so he wants to downplay, it, even though just like all the previous suppressions of Gaza in the past, um, the figures that that the Israeli government will uh, will recognize eventually is pretty much the same as the, the, the health authority. And it's, they're not just figures that are reported, but they actually are given with IDs, right? And, and um, with uh, Israeli government IDs, because Israeli government has IDs for every Palestinian in the occupied territories. So they're yeah. not just submitted with uh, like, here's, here's a number, believe us. 
it's here's the names and the, here's are the IDs, the Israeli number uh, IDs that go with these names. Uh, so it's been authentic. It's been approved. It's been uh, authenticated by um, you know uh, uh, UNRWA, you know U United Nations, um, a, a body there, uh, and that's what the the doctor that came on with me, uh, Doctor Izadin Abulesh, uh, said as well. This is what he responded to Doug Smyre. But Doug Smyre said, no, 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 no. It's just it's just a Hamas um, propaganda and what have you. And so uh, how how can we, we ever believe it? Uh, so he came on. That was his kind of opening salvo. Um, pretty much, uh, and then he mostly went into attack. Uh, obviously, initially Ab Abdul Wahid, and um, when I started to then uh, kind of uh, you know raise issue uh, with um, Douglas by, uh, in essence, um, arguing uh, that what what he's saying was there was there was was factually incorrect, and his, his one issue was this. So he wanted uh, he was advocating for his Tahrir to be banned. It's right. not a violent group. It doesn't call to terrorism. Doesn't advocate terrorism because um, if it had been a violent group, if it had advocated terrorism, it would have been banned anyway by now under existing legislation. It wouldn't have been yeah. unbanned. You don't, you don't need to call for it to be banned if it was doing those kinds of things anyway, because they'd be illegal anyway. And the yeah. fact is, Israel have never ever. Well, you, you, I'm sure you know better than I, but never ever called for violent action or anything at all. So it, it, it's uh, it's a paradox. If they were calling from that, why aren't they banned anyway? Because they're just ordinary law would deal with that. Anyone who calls for violence. Is going to be prosecuted or dealt with, I would argue. Yes, uh, but the, the British government has, for uh, many years, uh, certainly the Conservative government has, for many years, um, um, always been uh, reviewing the possibility um, of, of banning it, but always uh, been not, prevented from doing so because if it does try, attempt to ban his battalion and his battalion challenge them in court and they lose, uh, mm. then that's that's that shuts the door forever because uh, and yeah. also. Um, as, as you know, every court case in uh, in, in English uh, common law is is legislation. So if the case uh, is, it becomes uh, official that any group like that can be uh, cannot be banned, and so the British government like to keep things uh, nice and uh, and vague on certain uh, applications of legislation, uh, and, unless they absolutely necessarily have to go in there and say, all right, we uh, when they feel that there's there's a good strong case. Uh, to 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 ban and prosecute, so this is why Hezbollah has not been banned in the UK. Even though the government, the Conservative government, has very much expressed its desire to do so for for many years, over ten years now, in fact. But it, so, it has been banned in other countries in Europe. Even I think in, in Germany, I think it's it's banned, and maybe in other countries as well. So it's not like it's not banned in the West. It is banned in the West, isn't it? In some other countries. Well, here's actually where I challenged um, Doug Smyrna. So he was saying it was banned. It's banned in Saudi. It's banned in in Egypt, and so on. He's rolling off a list of countries, and mm -hmm. and I was initially wanted to say, um, you know, these uh, why these these countries you're listing off these uh, renowned bastions of free speech that. Uh, we should emulate, right? Is that what you're you're arguing for? That we should emulate the uh, the types of laws in in ironically in the Muslim world. You want yeah. to bring that into the UK? That that was a great irony in that. But I don't think Douglas Murray fully appreciated. Uh, but I challenged him on one thing, which is uh, that he argued that it was actually banned in Germany, and I challenged him on this because it isn't. And I said this. I said that it's. Uh, I said that you know, give me one country. He said he was banned in Europe. So I said, where in Europe? Because he was making it sound like it was all of Europe. And he said, oh, well, uh, in Germany, it's banned in Germany. And I said, it's actually not banned in Germany as an organization. Oh. And I, I was very careful to add as an organization as opposed to 
um, it's banned, its activities are banned, which which is true, its activities are banned. But as an organization, its its membership isn't banned. You can be openly and profess openly that you are a member of Hispitalian in Germany. Uh, you can organize events as long as it's not under the Hispitalian name, uh, calling to the exact same things that Hispitalian calls to. <laughs> um, uh, as a known member of his Hispitalier and that's legal in Germany. It sounds a rather odd thing to ban in that particular way because you can easily get around it by, by obviously how you can get around it, yeah. Well, as I said, what's banned is the uh, is the activities and so uh, I said to people to Google it and I was and because the uh, I think the, the Hispitalier website as I believe uh, explains uh, the na right. nature of this because they ch famously challenged this in the European Court of Human Rights. They argued that it was oh. um, it was unfair um, to uh, ban an organization that is is peaceful and doesn't call to violence. Mm -hmm. um, the German government banned it under the uh, argument that since his calls for the the uh, the political destruction of Israel or dismantlement of Israel as a as a, a political as an ethno state in essence um which is, yeah which is which is not the same um as uh, yeah. as, as calling to individuals to be killed yeah. or destroyed but rather because a state is a state is actually a, a non-physical thing right um mm. is a state just exists in our minds actually politics you know political systems and, and borders uh, actually just exist in our minds only when we build a fence then we give some physicality to it but it's not really a a physical thing that can be killed per se. Uh, so they argued that because um, his today is calling for the the, the the political destruction of the state of Israel, that they were a racist, a racial and anti-Semitic organization. And because Germany has a certain past, which uh, you might we all might know of, um, quite which is quite prominent uh, concerning its treatment of of Jews, uh, it's very sensitive uh, when it comes to um, anything. That pertains to uh, to uh, Judaism or, or the Jewish community, even though, and we should always make the argument that Israel and Zionism is not the same as Judaism, right? And is not the same. Uh, does not speak for the Jewish people, even if the state of Israel want, would like to think it does, and it does attempt to do so, uh, mm -hmm. arguing that war war reparations that Germany must pay uh, for the the Jews that they killed must be paid to israel who would then uh distribute it out uh, accordingly it was so well, israel is not the inheritance inheritor of mm. uh of of jews it should be anyone who's a family member or or, or uh maybe an independent charity um can, can collect that money and, and and give it to uh people like jewish people in need or what have you but the state of israel uh, doesn't represent the jewish people around the world and as you know there are many jews who uh, significant proportions of jews around the world oppose zionism and what the state of israel is doing um, and yeah. Zionism is the idea that, um, you know, uh, of all the Semitic groups and peoples that live in the, in the land of Palestine, uh, the state should only represent one of them, uh, predominantly uh, via a majority, uh, a majority uh, group. Anyway, um, I digress. So um, I pointed out to Douglas Murray that, uh, you know, his battalion, uh, its activities are, you know, are banned in essence. Um, Although I didn't get enough time to explain to explain that level of detail, but I said it's not banned, and I said it quite explicitly as an organization, uh, it's banned. Its activities are banned. Yes, uh, and the reason why I, I, I say this and it's not pedantic is because in England, in in the we have uh, the the terror laws allow for the prescription of groups so for them to be banned. If you are, if a group is banned in the UK, it means that it is illegal to be a member of that group. You cannot be a member or profess membership or invite 
a membership to a group. Very important. And uh, Douglas Murray wanted to bring uh, a, a ban against Hizbutari in the UK. So when he said that, look, it's not a strange thing. In essence, he said it's not a strange thing for, for such bans to occur for non-violent groups because it already exists in a liberal democracy like ourselves, uh, Germany. I wanted to, to challenge him on that, saying, no, uh, it's not the case in Germany. It's the activities are banned, but you can be a member. You can profess that you're a member um, uh, as long as you don't do activities under the name of that group. So there's a clear difference. Okay. Now, Douglas Murray was also uh, very critical, I think, of the notion that jihad was being proclaimed or mentioned on the streets of London. Uh, and in that respect, actually, many people would have been alarmed. I mean, publicly, uh, in the public, I mean, because of what they understand by the word jihad and the, the kind of trigger that uh, is, has been instilled in many people, thanks to the media. Um, um, but in what, in what, in your opinion, what was his argument trying to achieve? Well, it was again referring to um, Dr. Abdullahid's um, uh, kind of uh, speaking at a, a demonstration uh, that was organised by Hizb Tahrir mm. in London, and uh, what, what Hizb was calling to uh, was that the armies of the Muslim world, so the, the state armies, the official uh, soldiers and military of states uh, of these Muslim countries should come and rescue the Gazans. They should come and rescue the Gazans uh, and, and intervene militarily. So as, as they said this, two people next to them um, uh, in, in this camera footage, presumably by uh, perhaps I think Sky or Daily Mail, I forget, I forget which, which uh, it, was, it was by right wing media, media uh, group that filmed this, mm. um, panned towards these two guys shouting, Jihad, 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 right, uh, nearby. And these people actually were conspicuously not actually part of the main group. Uh, but regardless of that, regardless of that, uh, because when Abdul Wahid was asked by Piers Morgan, do you, uh, you know, do you condemn that people are calling to jihad or uh, uh, are using words? And even Abdul Wahid said, well, no, I'm, I'm not going to condemn the concept of jihad. And then it was upon this that the day, the next day on the show, on the show with, with us, um, Douglas Murray came and said, that he's, you know, he's, uh, he expressed umbrage at the fact that the word jihad can be mentioned on the streets of London. Like, don't mention yeah. the word. You know, and and it's in the way he framed it was as if you were calling for war on the streets of London, basically yes. fighting. Uh, absolutely, no, that's that's what he meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which of course is wrong uh, because uh, that's yeah. not what those meant. Yeah, it's mischaracterizing. It's mis. It's deliberately yeah. misleading. Um, and that's the problem with Douglas Murray is that he uses statements which are misleading and mischaracterizing. And mm. so Abdullah said, "I'm not going to apologize um, for this." And and I would argue, uh, I would, I would. I mean, I I kind of wanted to make the point, uh, and here's a problem with uh, my engagement with Douglas Moyan right wing media, um, which is the right wing media. They kind of very they they're very protective of Douglas. Um, they uh, uh, they don't like to expose him to the potential of actually being refuted. Uh, and Douglas Murray uh, has never accepted or uh, to do a one on one debate uh, with someone really? like myself. No, well, yeah, interesting. No. interesting. Um, now, now he. He would presumably, um, and he said that uh, he actually attacked me personally during the show, saying, uh, oh, this person is a kind of an inconsequential person. And then he said, Yeah, he, I see him on different, he's, he's on different uh, TV programs and platforms. And I was like, Well, it's a bit, I was, I was thinking to myself, it's a bit strange for an inconsequential person to be on all these different media platforms because, by <laughs> definition, 
if you're on a media platform, multiple media platforms, you're having some consequence. Uh, I mean, maybe not major, but at least some consequence. And considering that Douglas Murray was very happy back in the day, many, many years ago, to debate the uh, infamous Anjum Chowdhury in a, at a public mm. venue, if you remember that. Gosh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that was a long yeah. time ago. Yeah, he wanted to have a big public debate with Anjum Chowdhury, who, uh, you know, uh, Muslims in the UK, we used to kind of cringe um, at because uh, his group, Al Mahadroon, who are banned, right? Uh, they uh, they ad they kind of advocated for terrorism, basically. Uh, but the we cringe at, at uh, Anjum Chowdhury even before his group was banned. Uh, he was still very disliked amongst many Muslims because he, his group would say things which were almost calculated to anger and rile up um, wider society. Uh, things like. If you shake the hand of a non-Muslim, you must use your left hand, the hand you use to clean yourself with. For example. <laughs> you say that. I was like, yes. Um, I mean, this is from his group, and uh, Andrew Chowdhury's group, Al Mahadroon. And I have never heard in all my my um, my my multiple decades of being a Muslim, I have never heard of a single narration or a yeah. single verse of Quran that ever ever advocated that. They were just make making things up just to yeah. be uh, inflammatory uh, mm. against one society. So Douglas Murray was perfectly happy to want to debate that guy, right? But he doesn't want to debate someone like me who might not give him exactly what he wants um, mm. uh, from mm. such encounters. So he mentioned jihad, and I was thinking to my head, um, and I was I had written down to respond. I was like, okay, you know, like Douglas Murray, jihad simply means um, just war in, in its legal context and legal meaning of it in Islamic yeah. um, uh, literature. It means a just war. It could, it could be a war against oppression. It could be war to rescue those who are being oppressed. Uh, it can be uh, 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 fighting to uh, against empires who uh, and their hold over different nations and peoples and so on. Like for example, the war against the Roman Empire. You know, the Roman Empire wasn't indigenous to Syria or Egypt. What was it doing there? It was basically having a a stranglehold on the peoples there. So jihad was is 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 uh, a just warfare, and the particular context that his particular um, demonstration uh, was discussing um, uh, the rescue of the Gazans by the Muslim militaries of a people who are being oppressed. If, if we are called for um, not use the word jihad, but meant the same thing when it comes to Ukraine and the Russians, that would have been not only uh, um, applauded, but actually is government policy, uh, the West policy, who are sending tanks and planes and whatever uh even troops on the ground not necessarily fighting russians but there's advisors um so there's no problem there is it in in uh, in supporting militarily a, a group that is being occupied by a foreign power um and that we have endless sympathy and support for but this analogous situation in gaza is completely the reverse we we uh anyway it, it's, it's the fact that this is happening so almost at the same time it is happening at the same time because the, the situation in ukraine is ongoing these two conflicts are ongoing at the same time but the west response to them is completely uh diametrically opposite uh, actually why are you being anti-slavic for like uh ukraine is slavic land and the russians are slavs right uh, and there it? are there are russians that live in 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 ukraine so you uh yeah. attacking the right of russia to, to defend it's yeah. uh, you know fellow Russians on Slavic land, which is their which is ancestral Slavic land. Uh, it just seems that's anti-Slavic to me. I'm 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 concerned of your anti-Slavicness. Well, I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll think I think deeply about my troubling attitudes. Uh, thank you for that. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I just want to ask something else that um, Piers Morgan asked uh, Doctor Abdul here. Um, uh, 
suggested rather that he supported Hamas during the interview. Um, is there any foundation to this allegation? Do you think? Do you think he does support Hamas? Um, well, actually, there was actually what was one more quick point. So on the, on the previous okay. question before it, it disappears from my head um, was I wanted to point out uh, the hypocrisy of Douglas Murray. Um, Douglas Murray is infamous for being a neoconservative, and anyone who knows what neoconservative means. Uh, it's they're the ones who are described as usually the, the war hawks. Uh, they ad advocate for wars around the world yeah, to spread uh, yeah, a secular liberal democracy uh, using bombs, tanks, guns, bullets. So they're the ones uh, that are actually uh, believe in, in warfare. And yet Douglas Murray is uh, attacking Abdullah. So how dare you call to uh, call to to uh, warfare in defense of the oppressed? The only people who have a, who have a monopoly on war is people like my, uh, to initiate it or call for it is people like myself, uh, us fellow neoconservatives. You know. Uh, so I wanted to mention that that the the uh, a point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so to, yeah, get to get back to your question. So. Um, yeah, he's accused of supporting Hamas, Dr. Abdul Wahid, uh, during the interview. Is there any foundation, do you think, to that allegation? Okay, so, yeah, Piers Morgan um, uh, accused Abdul Wahid of, uh, of basically uh, supporting terrorism and supporting um, Hamas as, uh, and by saying uh, that, he, yeah, he, he expressed that Hamas was a resistance group and not a terror group. So... Initially, uh, when, I, when I was looking at the interview uh, with uh, Piers and Abdul Wahid, uh, Abdul Wahid was asked a question about, uh, you know, about Palestinians and about about uh, mm. uh, the, the operations uh, that are launched by Palestinians. And so he argued that in general there is a right that Palestinians possess, which is called the right of resistance uh, from an, uh, against an occupation power. Um, certainly, in 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 the it is understood that in West Bank and in Gaza, these two particular places are understood internationally as occupied territories. And so there is a, a legal question, I suppose, between international lawyers as to, uh, well, if there's, a, okay, there might not be a state, uh, although the state of Palestine actually is recognized as a state by many countries around the world. Uh, actually, the majority of countries around the world recognize the site called the state of Palestine. Um, but do the Palestinians, the question is, now do the Palestinians in the occupied territories have the right of resistance against an occupying power? So Abdul Wahid was arguing that they do. And uh, I suppose uh, Im implicit in this is that Hamas, as a, as a subset of Palestinians, uh, are under the same umbrella uh, as the Palestinians in that sense, in terms of they have the same right as their fellow Palestinians in occupied territory uh, to resist. That was his argument. Right. So, so uh, this was used by Piers Morgan to argue that. So then you're you're supporting uh, Hamas, and Hamas is a prescribed organization in the UK. So it's illegal to support Hamas in the UK or express support uh, for Hamas. And that's a general term, by the way, because what do you mean by that exactly? Um, because one could say that, for example, the the Basque, uh, you know, ETA, the Basque kind of liberation organization or resistance organization or what have you, uh, whatever term it was. I forgot the exact. Uh, uh, title it went by, uh, mm. ETA. Uh, they are uh, they are resisting, uh, you know, kind of the control of Madrid, control of the uh, the the of, of Spain. They want to be separate. They want to have independence. So they would describe themselves as a resistance group. Uh, but they used terrorist methods, which are you know they used they they did kill Spanish civilians, uh, non yeah. non Basque civilians. Yeah, uh, and that's there's no defense for that. There's no justification for that. 
it doesn't mean now that just because they are a they'll be called a resistance group that that justifies them or supports them it's just a description of the the fight that they are yeah. doing which is they are resisting control by yeah. a a bigger power it doesn't mean that they it's not a moral um prescription it's just a a description of them of of their their context i suppose and the and the nature of their of their fight uh, that they are resisting they can still do you be criminal in their actions uh, they can still be immoral in their actions uh, it doesn't yeah um so um uh, in in terms of that i you know dr abdul wahid didn't express uh you know that he uh, agreed with um, oh, he supports Hamas killing civilians. He supports Hamas, or that he supports Hamas itself. By the way, he's just merely stated that they're a resistance group um, because they are a subset of Palestinians in Gaza and in and uh, West Bank. Although they mostly located in, in Gaza. Yeah, I've heard commentators in the West say, you know, obviously uh, Hamas are terrible people, and you know, ordinary Gazans wouldn't support them, and they they've not had an election, God knows how many years. But actually, a, a, a very reliable opinion poll was done a few days ago and said that there's a huge increase in support for uh, Hamas and also support for them in the West Bank, where Hamas doesn't exist. They, they are becoming very popular now, or, or the support is much more incre increasing for them, presumably because they are seen as the defenders of the invaders who are genociding their people. You know, tens of thousands of women and children have been killed. And at that point, you know, Hamas become much more popular i would imagine because they're the only armed resistance or one of the the main armed resistance around protecting mm -hmm. the population against the aggressors who are invading their territory so that's an interesting uh not irony but it's an interesting kind of shift in in uh in sentiments there amongst the palestinians yeah but the the issue is in the uk context and here and here's what some yeah. people were, were accusing piers morgan of doing was like why are you asking um your guest questions which are potentially um, uh, could potentially land them in jail. Could potentially um, yeah. be legal, and and for for non uh, non UK uh, watchers of this of your of your your platform, um, as I said, the the terrorism laws in the UK are very stringent, and even the definition of ter of terrorism is very stringent. In essence, uh, any violence for a political cause or a political, racial, religious cause, uh, but any violence uh, done in support of that cause is terrorism, and it's it's as broad as that. It doesn't it doesn't mention civilians or non-combatants. But but what if if I support violence against the Russians and their occupation of, of Ukraine? I support the Ukrainian resistance. Uh, in in theory, under the law, uh, that's illegal. That's that's um that's it's not illegal, advocating terrorism. The government would be in the dock. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, so we we have to go by case law, uh, and there was a case where I think it was in two thousand six, um, a uh, an individual that was supporting the I think Iraqi resistance, maybe a particular group of the Iraqi yeah. resistance, yeah. Um, uh, argued that is it not the same as uh, let's say so, uh, a person in England supporting Israel uh, and and it's and a war that Israel might be under under uh, in, in doing and or people joining up or the the IDF from from England, British citizens joining the, the idea, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, or, or joining uh, the British army or the American armies in Iraq in, in an illegal yeah. war. That was, I think, the argument actually was made. And um, in the in the judgment, um, the the court just found that oh, that's that's something different, right? Uh, yeah. Without specifying, so the law was very broad, very very broad, and it literally could apply to exactly what you've said. But it's only in case law 
the judges judges kind of like just say, oh, but we know what it we know it refers to. You know, we know. Uh, I, I, I want to find out if I may just pause here and just change the subject slightly. Uh, talking about the law and people who break the law uh, today, this afternoon, of course, uh, famously in the British media, Piers Morgan himself, and I'm now quoting. Um, from uh, the Guardian newspaper, you can read it now. Uh, Piers Morgan has denied that he was aware of phone hacking during his time as editor of the Daily Mail after a judge ruled that there can be no doubt that he, Piers Morgan, knew about the practice while he helmed the newspaper. The court heard from many witnesses, many witnesses, that Piers Morgan, editor of the Daily Mirror, had known about phone hacking and illegal information gathering. So the multiple witnesses and a court of the land in, in England have now ruled uh, that he broke the law. So he's a criminal, a lawbreaker as well. Uh, and today he lied again in front of the cameras, denying that he'd ever known anything about this, even though multiple witnesses testified in court and the witness was accepted as true testimony that he did know. So he would appear to be uh, a confirmed liar and uh, a breaker of the law in terms of illegal information gathering. So just you just mentioned the law here and so on. I just want to slip in that Piers Morgan is is a publicly confirmed liar and lawbreaker. And this is the man who has the temerity to lecture others on alleged lawbreaking. It's, it's interesting, isn't it, that Sky News will employ such a, a disreputable character to, um, you know, slander and slag off islamophobically muslims i just wanted to throw that in yeah but you, you, of course you must understand that it's only morally wrong uh, for muslims to break the law uh, not for uh, people yeah. like you know uh, right wing uh, and quote unquote right thinking as they, as they would say uh, people from breaking law that that's that's understandable that's totally acceptable uh, <laughs> say contextualization throughout the show um you compared the bombing of gaza to the world war ii bombing of london uh which was, i think caused Douglas to take quite a bit of umbrage. Um, is the comparison really apt, though? Right, so, yeah, the reason I mentioned the a comparison of the bombing of Gaza by Israel with the bombing of London during World mm -hmm. War II yeah. uh, was because I was actually highlighting something. We know that the bombing of London was deliberate. It was indiscriminate uh, and deliberately indiscriminate um, by the Germans, uh, designed to uh, uh, terrorize the British public into coercing or putting pressure on the British government to uh, surrender or to give up uh, and withdraw from the war, or come to terms with the Germans uh, on the on on the Germans, um, uh, you know, terms of uh, you know of agreement, uh, i.e., uh, something favorable to, to Germany. Uh, and this is obviously what we'd call today um, terrorism, right? Which is uh, using violence against civilians in order for them to. Uh, change the policy of their government. Mm -hmm. um, so the argument by the other side is Israel is not deliberately targeting Gazan civilians. And there is some journalistic work that, that is out there, um, which was uh, has done the rounds. Actually, people have actually uh, you know noticed that uh, some, some uh, Palestinian and uh, Israeli journalists uh, kind of revealed that there was a... Um, a kind of a policy uh, done, which is being enacted by uh, Israel today, uh, whereby it has it has different descriptions of target. It knows who lives in in which buildings. It know how many people live in, in each building, and it knows exactly how many people will die for each building it targets. And it has acceptable 
you know, collateral loss figures in the hundreds, you know, if, if it means to kill uh, one uh, uh, key Hamas leader. But there are other targets, uh, categories. One is called power targets. And power targets are ones which um, are defined as uh, civilian targets, uh, which if when targeted will lead to an exertion of pressure on the Hamas government, right, uh, to surrender, to uh, give up, to uh, what have you. So I was thinking uh, this was this was, you know, uh, kind of exposed in, in this in this uh, very interesting investigative journalism, uh, recent investigative journalism. And of course, you know, what do you call the targeting of civilians to exert pressure on a, a government? Right. Yeah. And that illustrates that this actually uh, a deliberate uh, policy. So this is by um, uh, a kind of well, you can, this is published on the website called uh, Plus Nine Seven Two Magazine. And it's called the title of the article uh, of the investigation, uh, kind of a West publication anyway, it's called A Mass Assassination Factory Inside Israel's Calculated Bombing of Gaza. Published by uh, Yuval Abraham uh, in uh, the 30th of November. So this is uh, investigative journalism was using inside sources inside the Israeli intelligence or current who currently operating there and their kind of uh, discussions with these these uh, Israeli journalists and so on who have this inside track and they uh, mm. uncovered this. This is the, the Israeli policy, which is the deliberate targeting of civilians, mm. but. Um, people like Piers Morgan, possibly uh, people like uh, certainly uh, Douglas Murray, um, are, are trying to pretend or argue that Israel does never deliberately target um, civilians. In fact, Douglas Murray actually argued uh, in that show that I, I was with with him uh, that Israel is not targeting civilians. It, it might be targeting Hamas fighters, um, and somehow Israel is is like omniscient. It just knows where everyone is. So when when they bomb a whole bunch of city blocks in a row. Just take their word for it. Um, you know their source. We, we, Trust we know me, bro. That, uh, the president, the prime minister, and the uh, the defense minister have used very uh, extreme language to characterize the Palestinians. Uh, and the, the prime minister Netanyahu uh, invoked the biblical uh, trope of the Amalek, Amalek, the Amalekites, uh, and Israel's command to exterminate them. And he actually invoked this image. So here, here for those who know their Bibles is actually an incitement to genocide by definition. I mean, it, it's there's no speculation. You, you just go and read the Bible and there's genocide because there's the targeted killing explicitly of women, children and babies. It actually says that in 1 Samuel 15 in the Old Testament. So you don't need to be a rocket science to see genocide in that. And the president called um, the Palestinians as a people, as a whole, human animals. He called them animals. And of course, what do you do with animals? You can slaughter them. And the defense minister said similar things. I mean, at the highest three offices of state, the, the, the president, the prime minister and the defense, uh, secretary of state for defense have made extraordinary statements in general about the Palestinians to dehumanize them and to target them specifically in war. So to say that Israel avoids the why would they avoid civilians when they've already characterized them as animals and fit for destruction like the Amalekites? So, you know, it's Sago's belief that Douglas Murray could argue that, given all that evidence as well, as well as what you have just said, of course. Well, I think Douglas Murray's required evidence is that he is literally in the operations room um, <laughs> in front of the, the console with the bomb with the, the button on it uh, and seeing the crosshairs literally, you know, uh, uh, target the building and seeing someone just, uh, you know, uh, press, press it, uh, saying there are only civilians here and then press the button. I think that's the kind of evidence he wants. That's the lead the bar that he was gonna he wants to set it at, as opposed to just using uh, common sense and um, piecing together the 
multiple evidences that all seem to support each other in terms yeah. of indicating the intent behind the Israeli government. As you pointed out as well, yes, many uh, Israeli uh, politicians and military uh, spokesmen have made very concerning comments. For example, uh, uh, Daniel Hagari, the current Israeli army spokesman, said regarding the operation, the emphasis is on damage and not on accuracy. Right? Yeah, um, you know, uh, a spokes a, a phrase worthy of a, a German Luftwaffe airman over London. Just, just mm. yeah, it's on damage, not accuracy, because the bombs aren't accurate, right? You, but it's on damage. Um, Isaac Her Herzog, the Israeli president, yeah, uh, he, he said, as you as infamously now everyone knows that uh, it is an entire nation out there that is responsible. So not exactly. just Hamas, it's yeah. an entire nation. Now people do say that he specified, oh, but we're not going to target civilians uh, he, in that same speech. But when you tell your army and soldiers, or you're just telling the public that the sentiment that the public should have is that everyone in Gaza is responsible. You know, oh, but don't worry, we're not going to target civilians. Of, of course, of course not. But I, we just want to convey to you that everyone there is responsible. Yep. That is where we have to be, um, you know, uh, very worried. Of course, you have Gallant, uh, who you referenced, um, Israeli Minister of Defense, said there will be no electricity, no food, no fuel. Uh, we are fighting human animals, and we will act. Uh, we are acting accordingly. And uh, now, people, uh, uh, kind of pro-Israel act, you know, pro-Israeli uh, individuals, maybe such as Douglas Murray and others, would probably argue. That, no, no, they're only referring to Hamas. They're not referring to um, the Gaza themselves. But they shut off the electricity, food, fuel, water for the whole Gaza Strip, not just, um, obviously, for Hamas. Now, you might say that they can't isolate Hamas in particular, but uh, if you shut it off collectively for the entire Gaza Strip, and then you're telling the public that, don't worry, this is how you treat human animals, and you don't specify it, only Hamas, by the way. You just say, don't yeah. worry, it's how we treat human animals. I think we can, anyone with um, two brain cells can draw the inferences for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, but instead of me using those things, uh, because those things are, I don't, I, I know that when I go onto such a platform, I won't have much time. And uh, these things are are going to be argued and debated and, and, and so on and so forth. So I thought I'd come with a, a brand new angle, a different angle. And this was because um, I was, my mind was wondering about, well, wait a second, um, you know, uh, from my reading of World War II, uh, I, I, I remembered about the Blitz and that where the Germans bombed, uh, systematically bombed cities around the UK and certainly London, London Blitz. Uh, and I thought, well, wait a second, let me just check the statistics on that. I'm just curious and mm. compare it to Gaza. Um, mm. So for anyone who doesn't know, the, the Blitz is where uh, Germany uh, indiscriminately bombed London cities with the deliberate intent to kill civilians in order to pressure uh, the English government to demoralize the population as well to, to demoralize them to get to give up basically in in a, in that state uh, mm. I, I just by the way uh, sorry but uh, the, the historical record shows and this is actually known in scholarship although not in the wider public that the first country in the second world war to bomb civilian cities was actually Winston Churchill uh, he, he yeah. was on a command to uh, bomb uh, Hamburg and Berlin and Dresden and so on first, and Hitler bombed British cities in retaliation. Um, it's very uncomfortable to hear that fact, and it is the historical fact, because we believe passionately that Hitler bombed us first. It was the other way around. As, and people can check this out for themselves. But I don't want to divert from your perhaps unique comparison. I'm not anyone else yet compare 
that event with Gaza. You know, it's a very good comparison, actually, because it really helps us to get this thing in perspective. Well, as I said, because... Um, people and i was waiting for them to try to challenge me on this like saying oh how dare you make the comparison? and in some ways they, they did try to but i um i have the the numbers to back me up on this one so yeah. I, I i was just curious because I, I in my head i remember i remember some figures from my readings of um, world war ii um i used to read a lot of it when i was much much younger um as most people did i suppose well not that most people did but but but, but you know uh, world war ii is is a a very uh it, it was a war that that defined the 20th century um, so many things changed after it. Uh, so many people's lives were ruined and destroyed after it. So it's clearly it's it's still in living memory. Um, so I was reading up on it, and I remembered some some things from my past reading, and I thought, wait a second. Um, so I I looked at the amount of dead uh, reported in London uh, throughout the entire period of World War II due to uh, German bombing and V two. And V1 rockets. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right. And I looked at Gazan casualties. Now, the current Gazan casualties um, are reported as being, I mean, just one week ago, it was reported as being 300 shy of 18,000 Gazan dead. Um, That was just a week ago. So I I think it's pretty safe to assume that it's it's gone well past into the um, into 18,000s. would you like to have a guess? And don't worry, you don't have to get it bang on. I, I didn't know until I looked at the... the no, the, I the have no recently. idea. I, I, yeah. I would assume, I'd assumed it was much more than that, uh, um, but without any uh, any knowledge to back that up. So I don't know the answer. So I'll say, for the sake of saying, uh, it was far higher figure in the London Blitz that died than in the attacks on the Gaza population. Okay. So uh, throughout the period of... Uh, from the, the, the entire war right uh yeah. from uh, 1937 to uh, to 1945 uh we see that the amount of dead is uh, 18688 dead londoners due wow. to Lon- uh, german bombing from the entire period of the war i didn't realize that so that figure has already been superseded then in gaza because that was a week old those statistics and the war and the, i mean every day there are more mass atrocities so um it, it is quite possible and i uh, because this war is, is not it's not going to be ending anytime soon right. uh but to, to, re- to reframe this um as uh, almost as many gazans have died in two months as the uh, the total number of deaths that londoners suffered during the whole world war Whole, whole of World War Two, mm-hmm. and uh, London, I think, even then was a much bigger city than Gaza uh, uh, as well. So, uh, absolute numbers proportionately would be higher. Uh, yeah, and it, uh, and it, it was it was dense. I mean, arguably, you could, there's an argument as to what, about densities, of course. Um, but basically, uh, uh, Israel has bombed uh, Gaza and killed and killed almost as many civilians as the entire uh, as the uh, amount of civilians that died in London throughout the entire World War II due to unguided, indiscriminate dropping of bombs by the German Luftwaffe on London, right? No, it's, so, uh, it's very surprising. And, and that's where, um, you know, I, I kind of, uh, m- you know, made the point. Now, uh, also, um, there are about one-third of, uh, about one-third of the buildings in London uh, were destroyed or destroyed to the point of uh, beyond repair. Mm-hmm. 
they say, uh, 460 acres uh, in the city of London. Sorry, about one third was destroyed. Uh, now, if you compare this uh, to, uh, it was a report by, um, it was a United Nations Institute uh, for Training and Research uh, using satellite data. Um, uh, where they have they actually have a, a satellite uh, project of their own, to, and they looked at the amount of structures. Uh, now, uh, they said that uh, uh, 18% of the total structures in, in the Gaza Strip, the whole Gaza Strip, right, has been destroyed. Uh, but they're mostly located in Gaza City. Mm. Uh, so uh, that's that's the entire Gaza. That's not just Gaza, Gaza City. That's the entire mm. Gaza Strip. Mm-hmm. So that's 18 uh, percent. So I think we can reasonably uh, get into the region of, in essence, one th- one third. So one third of the buildings in Gaza City, some people are reporting one in two, uh, actually, um, have been in, destroyed. In some, area, in some areas, I'm sure that is the case in some areas of the city, yeah, if not more. Yeah. yeah and so then the, the, the question is, of course, um, uh, and, and sorry, just to actually get you, uh, I was just looking at um, some statistics for... Uh, there's uh, there are numbers of buildings that have been destroyed as well. I don't have them to hand, but um, they are in, in a similar, up almost to a very similar level of just numbers of buildings that have been uh, damaged, destroyed. Was I think in the region of about um, uh, about thirty thousand in in London, I think. And in the, the statistics I have here, in terms of destroyed structures uh, throughout the uh, Gaza Strip itself. Uh, it's a thirty-seven thousand three hundred and seventy-nine structures. Um, so what we're seeing is it's very comparable the damage right. inflicted on Gaza with the total amount of da- of damage that the German Luftwaffe mm. uh, uh, emitted out upon the city of London throughout uh, you know five six years of the war of World War Two. Once you understand it like this, it becomes very evident. That it's not precise targeted uh, yeah. strikes of of Hamas. Yeah. It's but, 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 the general bombardment of Gaza and of the city of Gaza yeah. itself and Gaza. But you're absolutely right, and and we we all seen photographs because of social media now. It's not like before where we just took people's word for it. I had to kind of do the kind of analysis that you have just done, which is excellent work, by the way. Congratulations, very good work. Um, and deduce what you've just said logically, which you have done rightly, I think. The photographs, we've all seen photographs of vast areas of the city that have been completely flattened. Uh, I mean, you know, that's not targeted surgical attacks on individual Hamas. You know, this is flattening an entire civilian population, just like in Dresden or or Berlin. Famously, we've seen those terrible pictures of Dresden. Um, That's what it reminded me of. And and these places were systematically bombed by the RAF in the Second World War, and hundreds of thousands of civilians died, actually, in in, in those, uh, actually by firebombs. It wasn't just the bombing, it was the firebomb, I mean, unspeakable, what happened after that. And we've not had that in Gaza, I don't think, uh, that knock-on consequence of the bombing. So, no, that, that, so the question was, is a comparison apt? And the comparison is, is apt, I think. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah uh, and very much. I mean, uh, in a shorter amount of time, so it's even more than apt because the mm. amount of damage that uh, that the, the German Luftwaffe, who were just dropping thousands of bombs um, yeah. on onto uh, London over uh, dense areas, oh, well, it's, uh, it's, and, it's over several years, obviously. But and yeah. the, the war on Gaza is just a couple of months. So also, 
you know, yeah. there's that fact, the time factor shows how more, much more extreme the bombing is than at any point during the Second World War on London. Um, it just gets worse than when you look at it. It doesn't in any way get better. Um, and and also, um, I mean, also was the fact that uh, uh, at one point Hamas said to, um, uh, well, made, made a public statement to the to the Israeli government saying that usually in the past, uh, not during the, uh, well, uh, uh, between flare-ups of violence, between the flare-ups, so not, we're not even talking about the the, night, the 2014 Gaza War, or you know, or the, or the other one, the other many other ones that have happened, or, or suppressions, as I call them. But in between those, in during relative peacetime, uh, you know, Israel uses use, uses targeted strikes now and again uh, to because uh, th there's no such thing as just um, uh, peace. Uh, peacetime uh, with when you make ceasefire with Israel, they're always they're always uh, opportunistically bombing, hitting targets. Uh, they just might not be doing it to uh, a higher frequency during uh, the, the wartime um, uh, uh, kind of uh, segments of the, of their um, interaction with the Palestinians in West Bank and Gaza. But um, even during so-called ceasefire or peacetime, uh, they are using targeted strikes. But what they usually usually do is they have a uh, they call a knock on the door. They would uh, shoot a missile which is um, designed to just make a, a, a big loud concussion and that would reverberate throughout the building to warn people to leave the building because they're going to destroy the whole building and so they usually give 10 minutes for everyone to um, that's very, very kind of them isn't it really and yeah yeah 10 minutes because 10 minutes is sufficient time for everyone to empty out you know an entire building all, all people, people you know. babies the you know the disabled and everything you just pop outside no problem yeah you know um and uh and but this time uh, when Israel began to uh, launch its strikes, uh, it, you know everyone noticed that they weren't doing that, and and it got to the point that Hamas even threatened to e execute hostages uh, for every building that wasn't given a knock on the door first, as it's as it's called, before destroying it because of the the immense amount of civilian casualties that was being caused. Yeah, now, of yeah. course, Hamas didn't actually follow through with that threat uh, because for them the hostages are are valuable uh, and they uh, for exchange, and so they wouldn't. Um, yeah. Uh, execute and plus it's it's not uh, as far as I, from my analysis of the history of, of Hamas, um, uh, you know, execution of hostages is not is not their method. It's obviously that's more associated with with groups like ISIS, um, who uh, who usually do that. But and I think that uh, Israel realizes that Hamas is never going to execute hostages because the the hostages are valuable um uh to to hamas and they, they wouldn't do so it's also um, on islamic law obviously it's not permitted to execute hostages or prisoners of war i should say but um i mean yeah yeah um uh, it that, is uh, it would be a, it would be a crime and a sin as, as well islamically but um if we could perhaps just move on um i noticed you, you had an interesting approach to uh, answering pierre morgan's notorious question which has been widely mocked on memes all over social the social internet is Hamas a terrorist organization? You know, um, could you explain your strategy, what it was, and, and how you expected peers to react to this? Okay. Um, oh yes, oh, there was one actually more the point I wanted to mention. Sorry, uh, my head was. Um, uh, 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 I I used the argument. Sorry about the, about the comparison of World War Two uh, uh, mm. and the Blitz in London with. Um, Gaza bombing, and I used it multiple times during the show. And when yeah. Douglas Murray came back, came to try to rebut me on this and said, uh, and he did so by trying to misrepresent what I said. He said, "How, how can you comp compare it to the bombing of Dresden? The amount of destruction in Dresden was was uh, was much much worse, and what have you." And I I had to basically interrupt. I had to shout, and they were muting my my voice a bit. If you if you look at the the, the video sure that came on, 
Um, but I said, I said, no, I said London. I said London, right? Uh, not Dresden or the where, which was, yeah, the, the bombing was much worse because of the fire bombing by the Allies. Was much bombing, worse. Yeah. There's additional factors which we haven't seen in Gaza at all. So the comparison is not really relevant, as you say. No. So I, I had said um, London, and then he shut up. In essence, he didn't uh, continue <laughs> with, uh, with his rebuttal to me uh, on that one issue. Uh, and then he moved into something else uh, because... Uh, because, as I said, he can't argue against. It. He even once point said, even one point said, "Do I even know uh, anything about World War II?" And I said, "Well, do you know anything about World War II?" Basically, so when I selected London as a city, I did it deliberately after looking at the statistics. So I, I was ready to uh, to defend it. But anyway, uh, so I just wanted to mention that point that, uh, yeah, that was something I got on on Douglas Murray. A little shot off I got on Douglas Murray, yeah, which he uh, he yeah. couldn't respond to. So yeah, there's a question in, uh, about uh, Piers Morgan's notorious question, is Hamas a terrorist organization? And your strategy uh, uh, in dealing with, because obviously you'd have known in advance this was going to be the question he would uh, throw at you, uh, and um, and how you expected him to react to your strategy. So what, what happened? What happened? Well, as I said, the moment I got the call, um, it was, uh, I knew that that question was going to come. There's, this is his notorious Piers Morgan wants to ask you, do you, is Hamas a terrorist Do you condemn Hamas, Mr. Abdullah? Yeah, um, I mean, there's been speculation that you know um, Piers Morgan, years in the future, and on, on his deathbed, uh, his final words, uh, maybe on his grave, will be, "Do you condemn Hamas?" Question mark, um, and so on. So yes, that's the. I've seen all the memes about it. Anyway, um, so so the issue is that this was a this is a question which um, uh, is one that should not be taken lightly, uh, and and for a clear clear reason, which is, it might seem a straightforward question. But in it, there is um, there's a hidden subtext to that question. So, uh, when engaging with uh, people who have defended Israel's actions or are, or are refusing to condemn um, Israel's actions, uh, or, or even uh, under, even recognize that if Israel targets civilians deliberately uh, for political gain, um, then you know, well, what is that? Right? How what would you call that? And so. This is something where if you just go on and you condemn Hamas and they will not reciprocate, uh, yeah. then this leaves this leaves uh, your kind of argument at a moral disadvantage um, yeah. because the it they will say that, look, we all agree that this group is to be condemned, but we don't all agree that Israel is to be condemned. So the lowest common denominator is we just uh, condemn that group and move on and, and, and so on. And this leaves... Uh, a, a kind of an imbalance in the uh, political moral discourse um, because the real situation is that uh, yes uh, you know Hamas has have used methods methods which are uh, which we would be defined as terrorism for such as launching rockets on um, nearby settlements uh, mm -hmm. which are predominantly it's indiscriminate and it, these are uh, civilian settlements uh, so this would be something that would fit uh, a definition of terrorism. Uh, but uh, the amount of casualties caused by uh, the state of Israel in the West Bank, in Gaza, not just recently, but you know, for the last 75 years, as well as in, in what, what is uh, uh, called Israel proper, quote-unquote, uh, during the 1947 ethnic cleansing mm. of, of Palestine um, to, to 1948 and so on and so forth, uh, where 700,000 uh, Palestinians were uprooted, but thousands of Palestinians were killed, uh, civilians were, were killed, shot point blank, 
uh, there's a documentary called Tantora about a city, a town called a village, uh, a seaside village called Tantora, uh, where the civilians were massacred. And the the former uh, Haganah soldiers uh, are giving testimony. They're, they're old men now, and they they're all laughing and joking about how they used to how they saw um, uh, we, uh, women be raped, uh, uh, people burnt to death with flamethrowers by the Haganah forces, and and so Haganah are the kind of proto um, IDF uh, or IOF as people call it, the Israeli occupation force. Um, uh, and they, they were talking about, oh, you know, it was crazy times, but it, but it's war, you know, it's war. This is what they were saying in that in that actual documentary. So, um, morally speaking, uh, you know, uh, Hamas has done reprehensible things, but Hamas and the state of Israel are not on the same level. Right, that's where we would we would agree with uh, the the pro pro Israeli advocates, uh, but we would agree with them not in the way they'd like, which is yeah they're not on the same level because the state mm -hmm. of Israel and the government of Israel has done uh, has killed far more civilians um, yeah. than Hamas has done, and if we believe that all uh, all life or human life is intrinsically equal to any or all the human life, so all in so you know one person's life is equal to another person's life, uh, then a person that kills ten people. Is worse or has done more, uh, more egregious sin, more egregious uh, wrongdoing than someone that just kills one person. If we take that, we we take those principles to be the case, then morally speaking, uh, Israel killing tens of thousands of Palestinian civilians throughout the last seventy-five years uh, make makes it out to be far worse than the, the uh, than the amount of civilians. Uh, it was killed on the side. It doesn't justify the killings of any civilians, but mm. the, the the organization that has done the 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 more the most wrongdoing by objective numbers of lives mm. is clearly the Israeli government um, and uh, and the proto-Israeli government, uh, the um, uh, which was before the the state of Israel was declared independent, and certainly the proto-IDF, uh, the Haganah and uh, Irgun and others. Uh, who all joined, who all actually formed part of the idea. People say the Irgun and the Lehi are, are, were, were recognized by the British um, as, as being terrorist organizations. And they they joined the IDF. They all became subsumed into it. So uh, uh, this is uh, a matter of historical record. It's not, there's, no, there's no controversy yeah, on this one. That's true. Yeah. So, um, so now this is my thinking behind what I would, do, what I would next do when I answer the question, yeah? which is uh, I'm not going to play the game of um, being asked to condemn and then uh, the conversation's moved on and uh, we, we're left with this imbalance uh, in, in the discourse. Uh, it should be the case that the first organization or group or, or state to be condemned is Israel because it has killed more civilians objectively. Uh, then, uh, objectively speaking, it's killed more civilians. Um, so instead, I, I wanted to, in an almost uh, Socratic dialogue, <laughs> um, I was going to ask Pierce something that he didn't expect, which is, so he would say, you know, uh, do you think uh, Hamas is a terrorist organization? And I say, okay, well, uh, let's get down to principles in essence. Okay, um, what do you mean by terrorism? What do you mean by a terrorist organization? I, I remember, yeah, 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 yeah. Can you define it? Yeah. And I, I had a plan, you know, I had almost a flow chart in my head of where the, the logical possibilities we can go with this. Right? So if he said uh, uh, it, it's people who target civilians to affect a political goal, then I say, OK, uh, then uh, do you agree that uh, the the allies and, and Germany as well uh, were uh, committed terrorist actions when they deliberately targeted civilians 
in what they call terror bombing to affect political change, i.e. to get the governments of the respective governments of the different target countries mm. uh, to, to surrender, uh, to de be demoralized and to give up and so on and so forth. Mm. And this obviously asks a question of Winston Churchill's character, which is where Piers Morgan probably doesn't want to go and, and question. Um, and then later on, it would, the next step would be to ask, okay, and now Israel, is Israel a terrorist organization because it does deliberately target civilians? Um, and just recently, even Biden, President Biden of the United States of America, uh, for those who don't know, uh, <laughs> um, he, he, he described Israel's uh, bombing as indiscriminate, uh, which uh, has been equated in international law to indiscriminate bombing of civilian targets is the same as intent to target civilians. Um, uh, actually, uh, Hamas's unguided rockets against um, Israeli settlements are indiscriminate because they're not guided. Right. So and we call that terrorist because it is indiscriminate. And so if that's the case, then we must apply the same uh, to Israel. And I think Piers Morgan knew where it was going. Uh, perhaps he had an inkling that, oh, this is going to go in. Once we get a definition nailed down, it's not going to go where I want to go. Uh, and so uh, I said, is it killing civilians? Is it targeting of civilians? And people pointed out to me, people, um, I said at the beginning of the show, and he, and he said, okay, let's, let's move on, right? <laughs> he said, let's move on, try to, to avoid it. He started to play the evasive game. And uh, Douglas Murray, when he, when he was, when, uh, you know, Piers Morgan you know, phoned his friend, Piers Morgan, uh, Douglas Murray said, oh, well, the definition of terrorism is the deliberate targeting of uh, in civilians, the intent to target civilians. Um, as if that would help them, because I then said, in my uh, my kind of follow up question, when we had the the second round with Piers Morgan on that subject, yeah. I said, "Okay, is the deliberate targeting of civilians, um, you know, by a state or whoever, uh, is that terrorism?" Mm. And then he said, "No, <laughs> that's not, and that's not what I mean." And he tried to, uh, and everyone realized at that moment that what 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 did Piers Morgan just say? The deliberate targeting of civilians isn't terrorism, yeah. and then he he thought he could then um, make an, a special exception for um, the Allies' conduct against Germany. He said that, well, it was justified to target civilians uh, against uh, the German state because uh, of who they were fighting. It, the, the, it was the, the Nazis. The Nazis had committed a Holocaust. They'd killed, uh, you know, uh, millions of people. So it was justified to uh, target their civilians. But that, that, was, that wasn't the reason the bomber Harris, uh, who was head of the RAF at the time, and Churchill, prime minister at the time, uh, uh, never mentioned the Holocaust. That wasn't the reason they bombed German cities at all. This is anachronistic re, uh, reinvention, revisionist history, which we're not supposed to do. You know, the reason was, as was stated, to demoralize, degrade the German uh, industrial and war machine. Nothing to do with the Holocaust at all. Oh, of course, of course, and and um, uh, you know, I think. Uh, Doug, uh, I think uh, Piers Morgan, when he kind of played that card, saying, well, the Nazis were evil, that's why we can then target uh, uh, German civilians, non-German, non-combatants, innocent Germans who are not part of the Nazi party. They're just, you know, women, children, whatever, babies. Mm. Uh, he, before he could play this card that, oh, well, the, you know, the Nazis were so bad that, that you, it, it is merited that you can um, target them. And I pointed out something to him that I don't think he even bothered to research, uh, and and uh, which is, I said, well, did the allies fight the nazis because of the jews mm, no. and you're like what and that became a meme so people made it into a meme when he goes what what or like huh um 
and I said, did Winston Churchill's ultimatum to Hitler did it did it mention the persecution of the Jews? No, you know, like get out of Czechoslovakia. Okay, and uh, was it also per stop persecuting Jews? No. And so I said, don't pretend that the war was fought because of of the the Holocaust or the persecution of the Jews. They only discovered uh, the death camps um, uh, after the war had been initiated, after uh, the kind of uh, the death camps, you know, started to kind of operate. Uh, then uh, that was when uh, you know you saw it. And of course, as you pointed out as well, that um, Britain initiated the, the the bombing of Germany, uh, and he actually did so. It's uh, most historians would say they did so because I think um, a few German bombs accidentally hit some um, civilian buildings in England, and uh, Winston Churchill decided to, okay, for, argue it was deliberate and they should bomb the German cities in retaliation uh, when it wasn't actually intended by the Nazis, uh, according to many historians. And then um, Hitler actually was surprised that obviously German cities were being bombed because the understood you know, uh, law of warfare between yeah. Europeans. Well, it was a crime then. Even then it was it was a crime to do that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the, the understood law of warfare uh, between uh, civilized nations, yeah. uh, quote unquote, quote unquote, a big quote unquote, um, uh, was that you don't target each other's uh, civilians. I mean, you can target the civilians of people of, of um, imperial possessions around the world. That's that's fine, uh, but not each other. You know, not not with each other. So um, yeah, I pointed this out, and of course, you know, they had nothing, uh, nothing to to uh, to say back to that, um, and uh, and and you know, kind of it kind of called because he didn't want to condemn Churchill. He didn't want to condemn Bomber Harris or the Allies. Um, for the indiscriminate bombing of German civilians and, and to call them terrorists, uh, because that is literally what they were doing by the definition of what terrorism is, uh, or, or the, the the more acceptable, uh, the acceptable, you know, uh, international understanding of it, which is um, yeah. just uh, uh, violence, but a specific in type of violence directed towards civilians specifically to induce political change uh, mm. or pressure of the government. Mm. So and 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 after that uh, a lot of people were calling because uh, people were calling to to kind of boycott the show after they saw dr abdulwahid's treatment um yeah. and the differential treatment between uh, ben shapiro and uh, let's say you know uh, and dr abdulwahid and other muslims um and how you know mark regev and all these other israeli ministers and all those uh, politicians who go on are given plenty of time to speak uninterrupted they might as well just become their show you know while they're speaking you know, let's just go ahead and talk um whereas the muslims interrupted uh you know every 20 seconds or every 25 seconds or something like this or even less um so when once people saw that piers morgan couldn't call a spade a spade and even tried to justify the targeting of civilians when it was uh, his heroes doing it um they saw that he they 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 so that well, he's lacking principles. Then it's just now. You say lacking principle, and you're right. But as as I've already said, I don't mean to be a broken record on this. But a judge today in a British court <laughs> uh, ruled that there was absolutely no doubt that Piers Morgan knew about the criminal practice of phone hacking and illegal information gathering. That's a quote from today's Guardian. So I don't know if Piers Morgan's going to be arrested and charged, but a judge has already declared. Um, that he is a, a basically a criminal. So we shouldn't be surprised that uh, perhaps in a, as, a, as a character in general, um, he's a crook and a liar, according to this judge. Well, as I said, uh, you know, 
um i'll i'll uh, have to read the court case and the, and the notes and things but this is uh, uh i think a lot of things are coming out about piers morgan this week uh, more than he, he that he anticipated it would seem um yeah, but it's a tip of the iceberg of course all the commentators on in the media now bbc uh, and so on uh times are saying this is the tip of the iceberg and it's gonna it's gonna be a further unraveling of revelations this is not a a discreet isolated case at all because uh prince harry who brought the case in the, against the mirror in the first place has has broken the dam he's broken through this wall of uh conspiracy of silence about this and successfully done it so th this is a, a momentous moment actually in british uh press history um and i can't think that people like piers morgan are going to survive it to be honest um and so you know they will go down basically i think ultimately but i mean a character's like that you know they make you what you're describing here is someone who, who lacks principle as you say uh, and but it's not just on this issue it seemed to be a more general character issue to do with his whole life it seems yeah possibly um but as i said like uh I've only seen, known Piers Morgan by what I see, uh, how he's acted on the TV shows, and uh, he he uses uh, okay. aggressive tactics to uh, interrogate people, and that's what he became obviously renowned and famous for. And um, and as I said, like I didn't anticipate that he'd have, uh, you know, maybe he'll he'll have a a, a, a Damascene moment, and he will um, see the light, quote unquote, uh, and uh, see the error. Christian metaphor there, yeah. A Christian metaphor, yes, of course, uh, appropriate for Muslims to use. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, I didn't anticipate it. And so when I went on that show, I knew that they, that he initially was going to ask me these questions. And I thought, you know what, uh, uh, mm -hmm. I'm going to uh, counterattack. I'm actually I'm going to put him on the defensive. I'm going to put him on the back foot. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Because he, he does not have the moral high ground. His principles are not the moral high ground. I actually have more principles... Uh, than him on this because I would condemn any action against targeting civilians uh, for, for whichever for whichever intent, yeah. yeah. no matter who does it or who it's done to, yeah. it is all to be condemned. So that's my cast iron principle. When and I, alhamdulillah, I got the opportunity to uh, state that on the show uh, that the Islamic ruling on is is that uh, you're not allowed to target civilians, uh, even if according to Ibn Kamer Jolzi, who who, who uh, expressed it uh, more explicitly, you could say the formula uh, in in the in the case that the enemy are deliberately targeting your civilians. Said even then, it's not allowed uh, to target their civilians uh, to make them uh, you know feel the feel pain as you're feeling pain. Even when they're targeting your civilians, you're still not allowed. To target their civilians, and this is the cast iron uh, rule. Uh, even Catholicism has this as the rule of double effect. Um, they have a prohibition against targeting civilians, and this is something that I've I've spoken about uh, a lot in in Western um, uh, political philosophy, uh, because in secular liberalism there is a exemption to the rule. Uh, so unlike Islam, unlike Catholicism. Uh, Western political philosophy, its most dominant streams, uh, believe in an exemption to the rule. It's called the supreme emergency exemption. It's when uh, that if your uh, if your very existence as a political state or community, what have you, uh, or even physically, is threatened, and you can see some victory or some uh, means of getting victory in some way through targeting the enemy's civilians, uh, then you can do so. So it's called the supreme emergency exemption, and uh, key thinkers have justified this uh, uh from uh you know from john rules who's a who's 
he's he's he de defines modern liberalism, uh, John Walsh, uh, to Michael Walzer, uh, who famously actually uh, came up with that formula from extrapolating from World War II as an as an example. So right. liberalism allows you to target civilians in supreme emergencies. And when the, the conversation with Piers Morgan ended uh, kind of on this way, he said, look, we were fighting the Nazis and what they're doing. I said, well, you, you didn't you weren't fighting them because you were defending Jews. You were just fighting them. Um, and he says, oh, but, you know, uh, they were a threat to our, our, our way of life, our democracy or what have you. And I said, like, like, well, uh, using your logic, basically, what do you think the Palestinians are, are doing? Basically, like using your logic. Right. What do you think the Palestinians are defending themselves from? Right. They've been they're defending themselves from uh, being denied the right to self-determination on their own land. Right. Politically being wiped out, in essence. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, something that actually the, the right to self-determination is one of the highest principles uh, accepted in, in um, international law. And it was even ma made uh, mentioned in the mandate, uh, the mandate of Palestine um, under the League of Nations. Uh, um, that this is something that it, it, you know the nations, especially in the nations of the former Ottoman Empire, said have a have a right to. So, uh, using I said Piers Morgan, using your logic, I could then say the Palestinians are doing the same thing. And the point of all this discussion is to, to throw it back upon them to show that he's inconsistent, that he's being hypocritical. And I got to tell him to his face, mm -hmm. "You're being hypocritical." Uh, and and it and it ended the discussion. It was no now no longer me being interrogated. It was me interrogating him. Someone jokingly said on Twitter, um, "It was glad to see uh, Piers Morgan on, on Abdullah's show, <laughs> right? Uh, Abdullah well, Lucy's show." That's an amazing an amazing outcome. Well, well, well done for that. Um, perhaps we can move on to the the uh, the thirteenth of December. This is the third of the four uh, shows, um, mm. and uh, this one um, was uh, a panel debate between Norman. Finkelstein and Alan uh, Dershowitz. Uh, does when does Israel's defense become terror? This was the subject. When does Israel's defense become terror? And I was going to ask if you think Piers was fair to the pro-Palestinian side of the debate. I think we we can we can know the answer to that because we know what his character is. Um, um, but was it a beneficial discussion? Um, were there any good points to this? Because th th there is the issue. I'm going to come to that a bit later about whether or not. Muslims should be on these platforms anyway. Should we be boycotting him? Is there any benefit to Muslims, however skilled they may be, like yourself, going on at all in the first place? But we'll come to that in a minute. But but nevertheless, was this particular panel discussion, this particular show, uh, beneficial? Do you think? Well, uh, you know, this show was you know Norman Fickelstein and Alan Dershowitz. Um, mm. Basically, there were no Muslims <laughs> on the on the show, oh, yeah, so sorry. so. Yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, I mean, because uh, it's still the pro-Palestinian side, but someone might say that yeah. um, Piers Morgan's actually being consistent because in this case, he was a bit more, he was a bit fairer uh, and there were no Muslims on, on the actual... Well, because both his guests were Jewish, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, even though one was pro-Palestinian, one was definitely Zionist. Um, and, I mean, as I said, uh, that the, that show is lucky to even get the agreement of Norman Finkelstein to... Um... I know. I mean, he, he's, he's a, such a titan. I mean, he's an incredible man, actually. He, he's, his, his knowledge is, is probably unparalleled, actually, amongst the pro-Palestinian English-speaking voices, anyway. Yeah. And so I watched it. Um, I watched it with great alacrity. And uh, <laughs> it, was, it was, as I said, Norman Finkelstein, uh, his, uh, his knowledge, his eloquence... Exactly. Um, right. uh, his his passion um, is unparalleled. As I said, I don't think there's anyone quite like him 
um, yeah. arguing on, on the pro-Palestinian side. And uh, as I said, it was it was impressive. Um, he was yeah. allowed to speak generally. Uh, yeah, I noticed that. I mean, it appears to actually shut up. I mean, it would be extremely rude because this, uh, you know, I mean, Finkelstein has great gra uh, gravitas, that's the word, you know, great presence. And he would have been very rude, I think, if he had just interrupted him like that. I mean, he was rude anyway to everyone else, but Muslims, I mean. But for some reason, he seemed to have a little bit of respect for him. Yes, yeah, uh, and as I said, like normal fixing, he doesn't, he doesn't have to speak fast. He doesn't, he can, he, oh. he goes his own pace. Uh, but even then, it's really engaging, and you're really eager to see oh, what's he going to say next, and what's he going to lead to next. And and he yeah. made some great, he made some amazing points, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, points which. Uh, I'm I'm really glad to see uh, go out there because most people don't realize uh, this. Uh, for example, I'm just, just going to just pick one thing, but there's there's so many gems, and I would advise everyone just to go watch the episode for themselves because uh, there's only two people on there, and Piers uh, clearly didn't know any. Did, I mean, Piers, uh, you know, for all his reading, if he does uh, read much uh, on the Palestine matter, uh, more yeah, than just looking yeah, at the news, we haven't established yet that he read anything on the subject, have we? Uh, no, I don't think we have established that. Uh, well, uh, well, but. Uh, We'll defer that, uh, that, uh, that, inv that investigation to maybe his next court case, whether he actually knows what he's talking about before he talks about it, uh, and whether he's a responsible journalist uh, when talking about such uh, topical issues uh, as he does. Um, so basically, uh, Alan Dershowitz, is, he considers himself to be uh, Israel's lawyer, right? And he, I think he mentioned that, like Israel's defense attorney. Wow. Uh, he's written books, uh, arguing for the Zionist case and arguing that, um, you know, uh, uh, all these allegations against Zionism is, is, is factually incorrect or Zionism has a moral and legal um, uh, strong ca uh, case for why uh, they get to control the whole land of, uh, of Palestine and not the Palestinians who uh, were the majority and are, are, are actually still the majority now uh, in the entire land of, of, of uh, Palestine, the, the mandate of Palestine, as it was called. So um, what we kind of see is um, uh, it was, there was a discussion and Alan Dershowitz brings out this typical Zionist trope. And the trope is this, which is um, we never we've we've approached the Palestinians, uh, uh, the, the Palestinian Authority, the PLO, with a peace deal uh, for uh uh, for um, a two-state solution, they've always turned it down. They've always rejected it. We've always been people offering peace, uh, and they've always been turning it down. Uh, now, what is what they don't mention, is, of course, is that uh, what do they mean uh, by uh, offering a peace deal? Uh, because the Palestinians have always been saying that we want uh, the West Bank and Gaza, uh, the, the, the pre-1967 borders before the War of 1967, where Israel unilaterally uh, invaded and annexed these lands before they were physically attacked by anybody. Um, they say that uh, that just give us back those lands and uh, you know let, leave us to our own our own devices. Mm. Um, Israel never offers that. Uh, instead, it was offers this kind of uh, a, a, an archipelago archipelago of uh, disjointed patches through West Bank. Um, uh, that's right yeah i've seen i've seen the maps they are remarkably disjointed they don't join up they're not continuous uh and it's quite bizarre that any palestinian would agree to these arbitrary bits of uh, unconnected land which were the palestinians anyway but yeah and people have pointed out uh that um uh, that basically you know the the the, the along with those um, offers on the maps uh, the, the lands that the Palestinians are given uh, they're not allowed to have an air force they're not allowed to have an army uh, sure. their their foreign um, 
their foreign relations are still controlled by uh, the state of Israel. And is, there's even between them and Jordan, the, the, basically the Jordan Valley, um, between the West Bank and uh, uh, where, where these these um, uh, reservations, one might I'll call them, uh, or ghettos, if you for want of other word, uh, are, are situated. There's a gap between them and uh, Jordan, uh, not just the Jordan River, but also there's the Jordan yeah. Valley. Uh, exactly there Valley. In, in October, I, I saw Jericho from a distance um, from the River Jordan side. Yeah. Anyway. And yeah. And on that valley um, that, you know, Israel wants to keep military presence there. So that valley will never go to the. Yeah, um, well, Palestinians. yeah I, saw, I saw them. They're definitely there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, the Palestinians, you know, why would they ever accept that? That's not a, that's not to freedom. That's still that's, that's right. just basically, uh, uh, you know, they just signed they just signed their their, their name uh, to uh, being on reservations. That's all that's that, that's been offered to them. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> uh, Norman Finkelstein came in with um, uh, you know from left field, as the Americans would say, uh, with pointing out uh, the obvious. Uh, I have a friend of mine that that famously says. Sometimes the hardest thing to explain to people is the bleeding me by the obvious, as he says, right? Um, with his with his London vernacular. Um, <laughs> I don't, we don't speak like that. Anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah, but you're the you're the was it the posh uh, central Londoners, not not the uh, uh, West Side. And I think and you and I live North in the same South. London borough, but that's <laughs> let's not go there. I get. Maybe anyway, not. yeah, sorry. Uh, we, we won't be in class in this, in this discussion. Um, anyway, so... <laughs> um, all right, so uh, Norman Fickelstein just says, look, uh, you say that Israel's offered these peace deals and, uh, you know, uh, the Palestinians always rejected it. And they always... The Zionists yeah. always, always omit that these peace deals are not deals for justice because what the Palestinians want is justice. Because um, uh, you can't have peace without justice. Right? Um, and that's, uh, that's very important. Because right. obviously, if you're an oppressor and you've taken over a land, of course you want peace because, uh, you know, you've got you've got what you wanted. You've stolen the thing you, you wanted. So now you want people to, to leave you alone to enjoy what you've stolen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Whereas if, if something's been taken from you uh, and then, you know, and then you say, oh, don't worry, I've taken your stolen your car, your house and what have you. You can stay in the garden shed. Uh, but look, I offer you some I offer you peace. It's like, well, wait, I want my stuff back, please. <laughs> Yeah. I want to, you know, I don't want to live in the garden shed, you know, um, uh, to which you'll be, be called, oh, you're so ungrateful. And you, and yeah. oh, well, do you hate my race? <laughs> it's like, no, it's not your race I hate. It's not, I'm not a great, I just want my, like, to live in the land, the, the place I was living before, be great. Like, you know, anyway. Um, so Norman Fickerstein points out uh, a, a, from a different angle, he just says, look, every single year, right, mm -hmm. in the UN, there is a vote. Right, a vote for the peaceful resolution of the Palestine question. Right, uh, and every single year, the vast majority of the international community vote for peace with a two-state solution within the recognized borders of 1967. The uh, including the representative of the state of Palestine, right, supported by the, the state of Palestine, which is the Palestinian Authority. Uh, which is mostly based in West Bank, but they they claim authority over obviously Gaza too. And every single year, uh, without fail, it's opposed by a, a very tiny, tiny minority of countries that have a wild guess who they are. Of course, <laughs> I can possibly guess. Yes, um, is yeah, United States and Israel. Every mm -hmm. single year mm -hmm. um, since 
uh, you know, uh, uh, since the 1970s and so on. So this outweighs. So so design is saying we we made a few peace deals. You can count on your hand. You know, uh, we offer peace offers, and you're not accepting it. Whereas every single year, the Palestinians have accepted the United Nations approved uh, a peace resolution, and it has always been opposed by Israel and the United States of America because they want to keep um, the possessions in the West Bank. They don't want to give it away, and they also they don't want to give full sovereignty to um, the, the Palestinians. And they want to keep them into what was called under apartheid South Africa, Bantu stands, you know, separate separate uh, sovereign states that only South Africa recognizes, South African a Boer, you know, white Boer government. Mm -hmm. um, they, 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 they have their own sovereignty, but they are trapped, landlocked in, into, in South Africa and in very small areas and disconnected and disjointed and so on and so forth uh, for the majority of the people of South Africa, which is just ridiculous. So um, I felt that was actually a good, uh, a good show because Norman Finkelstein, I mean, like uh, you, you couldn't interrupt him uh, because yeah. there's only two people, and uh, Pierce Morgan doesn't know much about the the whole conflict uh, as deep as these two giants. Um, I mean, I mean, when I say Alan Fink Alan Dershowitz is a giant, I don't describe him as a giant uh, in terms of the moral position, but rather just in the amount of studying and reading he's done. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, which clearly he has done a lot of studying and reading um, and is a lawyer as well. So mm -hmm. that was a good uh, discussion um, uh, and it was beneficial, I think. Excellent. Well, that, that's good. So the last uh, of the, the four um, notorious or famous um, videos are studio debates, um, 14th of December, which was yesterday. Um, and this was uh, an interview with Dili Hussein of the Five Pillars uh, Muslim news agency, uh, British uh, Muslim. And um, the question is, it's ironic really, because um, Piers Morgan himself was hosting a show about should we boycott Piers Morgan himself? So uh, rather amusing. Um, what were your thoughts about the interview with Dilly? So yeah, this program was, um, uh, was an interview. So it was only Piers Morgan and, you know, Dilly Hussein, uh, much like on uh, uh, Tuesday, when it was just Piers Morgan and Dr. Abdul Wahid, wow. um, my appearance on the show was as part of a, a you know a panel of uh, you know there was at least in, in total four people in total basically. Right. Um, so uh, in this interview, Dili Hussein um, thankfully obviously had more time to uh, right. discuss different points because he's not jostling with other people uh, around and 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 what have you, and of course. Uh, you know, even uh, uh, I would say in, in my segment, in my show, uh, you know, with uh, uh, Douglas Murray, he was brought in, made his piece and then left and literally just left. Uh, and there was no possibility to respond to him with him being there because he was just brought in and the, he gave the got protected time, which ate up into the time of the show. But in yesterday's uh, show, thankfully, it was just Piers Morgan and Adili Hussein uh, having the, you know, their, their back and forth. Now, you'd think that, of course, um, you know, Dili Hussein would then have more time. And in a sense, he did. Well, he, he did have more time to speak because there's, there's not competing with other people. And there was no protected time given to a, a person coming from uh, uh, coming in from remotely, what have you. But he was interrupted uh, a lot by um, Piers Morgan. Kill, kill surprise. Um, what is surprise? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love it when you break into French halfway through this conversation. <laughs> it reminds me of my my time in France. Thank you for that. 
Nispa. Okay. Well, that's what we, uh, that's, uh, you know, I thought I'm making more continental, not just. Uh... I feel more at home. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as an English person, I, that's what, what? I don't. <laughs> well, you, <laughs> like... Own half of France until the terrorists, i.e., the French, uh, dare to take that back. Anyway, that's this diversion. To oh, me, but... dear. Your, your, your mind still went to the Hundred Years' War, huh? Still back then. All right, okay. <laughs> uh, the, good old, the good old days. The good old days. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes. Um, anyway, so. Yeah, so in essence, I was uh, uh, when I saw it live because it came mm. on live. Uh, there, I noticed there was some jumps. Like well, that's a bit weird. Was that a skip there? Was that a jump there? I didn't like seem like something was missed out. And when I saw the live version, um, I felt there was a lot that sh that should have been said or could have been said, um, or that I thought I would expect to have been said by um, by Dilly uh, until I saw. Uh, online that you know uh, did he post on, on twitter that um that wasn't the full the full discussion that it's cut it was it was redacted and and so on and then uh talk tv then published the full version now whether they were going to publish the full version anyway because uh, they they sometimes they do they not sometimes but they do tend to publish the, a, a separate version uh, that's just uh, you know the one segment of something, one particular show, um, mm -hmm. and just by itself, rather than the live stream uh, uh, kind of version, which which is like an hour or so in it, and it has multiple shows in it. Right. Uh, so whether they were going to do that uh, anyway, or they did it out of response to Diddy, I don't know. But uh, right. the full version was much more um, interesting and and did have the arguments that um, right. I was expecting Diddy to make. So in in the fuller version, so that was. Uh, uh, something uh, which was um, uh, a bit more fuller than than the version that was live. Uh, so yeah, I felt that yeah, Dilly was was in interrupted, but uh, he did manage to make a number of points because it was just him and and Piers Morgan, uh, and he raised some interesting questions. And one of those questions was that the, the difference of treatment between Muslims and non-Muslims um, that uh, Piers Morgan kind of uh, seems to uh, to 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 do uh, in, in his uh, his shows. But also, and, and quite keenly, this the uh, suspicion of anti-Islamic sentiments yeah. uh, that Piers Morgan exhibits, including, uh, you know, his description um, of of Muslim women. Uh, when uh, apparently Dilly and Piers Morgan has had had the history, I think in two thousand nineteen, uh, during the protest against um, LGBTQ uh, literature uh, and education yeah, in Birmingham. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Birmingham schools, and in that interaction, um, Piers Morgan said that uh, in response uh, to you know Dilly arguing that look, the Muslim parents, you know, should have a right to decide what their children read, uh, what they're exposed to, because uh, you know, well, and as I've always said as well, um, and I and I totally agree with, which is uh, the the British state, if it's meant to be secular, it's meant to be neutral, morally uh, neutral. It's not meant to tell people. Uh, what is good and bad in terms of morals? It just says, "Here's the law. Stay within the law." Now, you know, and teach kids his maths, his physics, his chemistry, his literature, and so on and so forth. Um, uh, but to tell students that uh, same-sex marriage is morally equal to uh, what what they call quote-unquote traditional marriage, which is just basically you know um, marriage between opposite sex, normal marriage. <laughs> yeah, normal <laughs> marriage. Yeah. Um, that is taking a position. That's taking a moral position. Mm, you know, mm. if you're going to be neutral, then don't talk about marriage. Uh, uh, what marriage uh, uh, sh should uh, look like in terms of it? Then stay. Away. Just teach these subjects of maths. You know, English literature and chemistry and blah blah blah. 
why are you getting involved in telling uh, students uh, what is morally acceptable? And of course, uh, I've also argued previously um, that because some people might say in response, well, you know, uh, marriages happen. So we should tell kids about the kinds of marriages that can happen in the world. I say, OK, all right. If that's the case, then teach kids that about uh, polygamy exactly. as well, because polygamy happens. Right. Yeah. Of course they won't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course. They're not consistent. Right. That's that's the thing. Well, because um, they, they were never serious in the first place. It was always the, the presenting a, a set of values which are not reflecting a reality. It, it's just, it, it's 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 an ideology that's not reflecting reality. Anyway. But, yeah. Um, so yeah. in response to that, Piers Morgan says, uh, it's, look, it's not Islamabad. <laughs> right. You know, this is like, you know, basically this is England, not Islamabad. Um, and that was quite offensive. Um to many people because like why are you bringing in pakistan and islamabad into this uh, you know there are many uh what are called traditional minded uh, uh british people um who are uh not the children of immigrants uh quote unquote, i think which is what he's kind of meaning um who believe in these traditional values Traditional Catholics, Evangelicals, Orthodox Jews, even some atheists actually are still traditionalists, actually, believe it or not. Um, yeah, but not juxtapose that the Ben Shapiro um, interview. Um, yeah, 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 that's true. Uh, on, on gay marriage, right? Yeah, and yeah. you'll see uh, a difference. So um, I think Dilly kind of held him to task on that to, to an extent. Although Piers Morgan, I feel, uh, was very, and maybe people have expressed this online, that he invited Dilly Hussain because of um, this hashtag was called Boycott Piers Morgan. Yeah, um, yeah of course. Um, he was concerned uh, that uh, he might lose a lot of, um, uh, you know, uh, cannon fodder. So, sorry, <clears throat> uh, Muslim uh, guests, well, future Muslim it? guests. <laughs> well, he might lose more than the, the, uh, his future Muslim guests. As, as a judge has just stated, as I repeat it for the third time now, uh, that the, uh, he... he <laughs> Uh, there can be no doubt that he knew uh, about the practice of uh, illegal phone hacking, illegal information gathering, which means he could be prosecuted. Hopefully he will be for criminal offences as well. So um, we shall see. And the expectation is that he will be prosecuted. Well, well, uh, yeah, well, we shall see on that one. Well, keep on um, saying. Uh, it's, it's such interesting news that this character who presents himself as, you know, presenting values and whatever he pretends to present is actually uh, has been called a crook and a liar by a judge just now i mean early today i mean <laughs> in britain so that's the character we're dealing with well as i said this um... i said it three times now but i, I just can't <laughs> yeah. I, I can't get over this that you know uh, finally the well, wheels of justice grind exceedingly slowly but maybe they are grinding nonetheless <laughs> well three times a charm as they say um... <laughs> so i interrupted you in your um exposition um, no, I mean, I mean that, that was it, really. I mean, as I said, I uh, uh, I felt that uh, Dilly was able to um, uh, raise some points and interrogate, um, you know, Piers, uh, rather than then just being the recipient of interrogation. But of course, you know, Piers yeah. brought out the age-old question: Do you condemn Hamas? Do you condemn uh, what happened on the seventh of October? Yes, and as you say, you'd be saying that on his deathbed to the, the angel of death as the angel of death arises, you know, do you condemn Hamas? <laughs> um, but yeah. appears uh, denied, uh, did he not, Dili Hussein's description of the Israeli uh, operation in Gaza as being a genocide. And he argued, interesting, it's an interesting argument, it's an absurd argument, but it's interesting because I've not heard it before, that if Israel really wished to commit genocide, it would have simply have deployed nuclear weapons. Now, 
Uh, it's easy to refute this. Uh, I said, how would you respond to it? I mean, I'm just laughing because obviously it's such a silly point to make, but perhaps you could just go through the motions and explain why it's such a silly point to make. Yeah, well, I mean, look, you know, as you mentioned to me before, you know, the show began, which is, um, and as, as um, you know, every, every any anyone, you don't need to have knowledge of advanced nuclear physics um, to answer this, which is if you detonate a nuclear bomb right next to your own territory, um, there's winds, right? <laughs> and there's fallout, radioactive fallout, and it's going to go blowing back into your own population's faces and going to cause cancer and a whole number of deformities. Yeah. Uh, it is ridiculous uh, as well. And of course, you can't use the land afterwards for many years because it's just yeah. a, a radioactive crater. It's not called the Gaza Strip for nothing. It's a tiny strip of land. If you drop a nuclear bomb on that, half of Israel, over half of the Middle East, will, or all the Middle East, will be affected by it. So this is hardly, um, a, a, you know, it's a silly question, a nuclear weapon, honestly, please. please a serious objection. Um, but um, just moving on there, it's such a silly, silly point. But after after Pierre's interview, Dr. Abdul Wahid uh, uh, and many other uh, uh, so after Pierre's interview with Dr. Abdul-Wahid, many people uh, have been calling for a, a boycott of his platform. And I, I must admit, I tend to agree with that. I, I think um, it's so one-sided, it's so unfair, it's so tendentious. And as I've already pointed out, this man has just been uh, publicly accused by a British judge of being a liar uh, and, and a criminal. Um, that Perhaps we really shouldn't be appearing on this guy's show, even if this show is gonna, not going to be around for much longer if he gets prosecuted. But I think I think you, you obviously appeared on his show, so you think there might be merit on appearing. What, what might the argument be uh, for uh, suitably skilled uh, and knowledgeable people, uh, Muslims, to appear on his show? Well, look, I, I won't, I'm not going to issue a, you know, an edict on this matter. This is just uh, my opinion. Um, and if people disagree with it, you know, that's, that's, that's fine. It's fine. I mean, there's, there's, um, there's no real uh, cast iron um, rule on this, uh, really, because it's just all the, it's just basically, you have to judge it and play it by ear. Right. And that is this, um, there, you know, Muslims, we have, you know, many good platforms, um, many popular platforms. Um, for example, I'm on one now, uh, alhamdulillah. Uh, and, uh, you know, th these are these are good platforms for teaching Muslims and having time where we can have, we can elaborate on our, on Islamic discourses, on opinions, on and uh, express ideas without interruption, um, and so on and so forth. But uh, this is a community bubble in a way. Um, even though we live in, on the internet where anyone can access any anything, and I do, I am also very uh, conscious of, from looking at the comment sections on um, on blogging theology that many non-Muslims frequent, uh, the, you know, this channel, and mm. they and they frequent other Muslim channels as well. So yes, of course, but there is still there is still, uh, but due to algorithms online, uh, there is still the tendency of echo chambers uh, to yeah. arise. Oh, this is better. Yeah. And the um, you know this question was brought up to me um, when my, when I appeared on Piers Morgan's show uh, last year. Uh, although at that time Piers Morgan was away, um, ironically uh, I think he was um, 
I, mean, I, I say ironically, I, I don't know what, what's going to happen to him after this, but uh, he was in prison, uh, not not in prison uh, as an inmate. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, he was, I, I believe, in America research, uh, researching uh, or in speaking to prison in uh, prison uh, U.S. prison inmates. Um, I'm just getting a taste of what it'd be like when he goes. Do you think maybe that was the point? I don't uh, no, I might have, I might have completely misheard because that's what the the, the yeah. show uh, the showrunners told me. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I maybe maybe I misheard and I'm completely wrong. But anyway, that's what I was told. Okay. So he, he wasn't there at the time. So they they had a a guy called Jeremy Kyle step in uh, to take uh, his place as the show host. And it was just after the uh, stabbing of uh, Salman Rushdie. And they brought me on, uh, of course, uh, and they are to ask the question. Now, now it wasn't you, Hamas this time. Hamas. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. no, 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 no. It was, um, uh, do you condemn Iran? Oh. I, was, I believe was the, was the one. Uh, even though there's no proof uh, that there was a connection between that Iran initiated uh, the attack. Uh, I mean, this, this might have been, you know, demonstrated uh, uh, subsequently. But as I, I was arguing the show. Look, I'm I'm going to wait for the the investigation results, and then I will say when the investigation results come out. Right yeah. now, it's just speculation, and yeah, yeah. and it's oh, but there's a fatwa, and there's um, money on the the head of Salman Rushdie, and it's like, well, look, um, I, I think the the fatwa's actually been kind of uh, quietly revoked. I uh, I was hearing, but um, the money on his head. I mean, it's a bit pointless to offer money for someone to kill someone when they're going to go to jail for the rest of their life, you yeah. know? Uh, they, can't, they can't really, you, you know, use it. But anyway, um, I simply said, look, I'm just going to, I'm not going to say anything until the investigation is complete and there's a, there's a police investigation and what have you. That, that's as simple as that. Yeah. Then when we discover who's to blame, uh, and I actually pointed out, because uh, Douglas Murray was coming in via video link, um, as he always does, it seems, with yeah. my encounters with him recently, um, uh, that I said, look, uh, Douglas Murray said about the Christchurch shooter, Oh, yeah. He said that uh, when people raise the issue that, well, maybe some of your rhetoric is to blame Douglas Murray about what you say about Muslims, because the, the, the Christchurch shooter uh, was uh, seems to have read your work as well as other works of individuals, um, yeah. it was believed. And he argued uh, in a, a an article that the only person to blame is the perpetrator. Mm. It's oh, his yeah. choice, his yeah. decision. No one forced him to do it. So yeah. what I said... What I said in that show is, well, uh, well, according to Douglas Murray's logic, the only person to blame is the perpetrator and no one else, right? And I also um, used the opportunity to argue against him because uh, he was uh, given, obviously, his long monologue at the beginning, his long soliloquy, uh, one might say, at the beginning of the show, um, that uh, you know, free speech is important. We must protect free speech. And, and then, when I uh, was asked to speak, I said, "Well, before I go answer the question, I want to just say this very quickly: Douglas Murray has had a history of calling for um, restrictions on uh, and even and stopping, preventing Muslims from speaking at universities, uh, Muslim speakers and others, intellectuals, others, and restrictions upon Muslims and what they can do and what they can say." In various degrees, whether it's social restrictions or political or actual legal restrictions, yeah. uh, so. Uh, in essence, I said he's a hypocrite. You know, he's not a free speech uh, martyr or a free speech hero or a free speech what have you, as he might portray himself to be in, in his mind. Uh, he uh, he is a hypocrite. He, uh, as is typical with the, with the right wing, uh, they ban. They won't want to see the left wing banned and Muslims, uh, you know, expressing mean orthodox Islam prohibited from doing so. As evident recently by him wanting to ban a non-violent organization like Hizbutahir, actually, mm -hmm. uh, ironically, um, and and the left wing want to cancel 
or ban you know right-wing uh speakers and others and sometimes even muslims as well for the same reasons as their right-wing cousins should we say um so you i said you don't talk about free speech because you're just basically you it's very hypocritical and he absolutely lost it uh, <laughs> he got he got angry and he said what a weasel you are you're a weasel a weasel that's a that's a, that's a, a yeah oh actually I, I mean he, he can be very yeah. bitchy uh um actually um when he wants to be very catty i mean i could i could say something more about being catty and who he is but that's probably <laughs> enough for the time being uh but it doesn't surprise me yeah uh, and so uh what some people so i just i just basically look at you know for, I'll, I'll i'll play the um the moral high ground and just because i don't i don't usually engage in um uh, ad hominems for the point of I want to keep the topic on uh, on the subject at hand. I might mm. describe people's behaviour, but to talk to to describe someone as you know uh, you, uh, a toad or a weasel or whatever, you know, um, uh, what, what have you. Or, uh, by the way, he, he called me a blowhard as well, recently as well. So blowhard, what what's a blowhard? Uh, I don't know, an arrogant or narcissistic person. I think I had to. I don't even to... know what I mean by that, but that's just yeah. Absurd. <laughs> yeah, he he's quite um uh, creative with his um semi-archaic uh, uh insults anyway oh um, I've, I've just I've just looked it up uh, yeah it's a derogatory term that people look it up for themselves yeah it's again another petty insult that's not really worthy of a serious uh speaker on these issues but anyway yeah, yeah. so when i when i was on the show and he was just basically allowed to uh kind of just insult just use that homonym against me and i was laughing at the show because it was it was petty and I was laughing at uh, how childish he was. Um, so like some people commented after that show, they said, uh, you, you know, you, we, there's no benefit to going on these shows because um, look how they disrespect you and look how they disrespect, you know, uh, Muslims and don't, don't go on those shows. And I will tell you the same thing. I, I, I will tell your audience and yourself um, the same thing I said back then in response to um uh, there was a prominent, well, a YouTuber uh, who uh, kind of made a comment about this, and he, and he, uh, and he kind of was arguing what was the utility of going on such shows. And I said, look, uh, they they have the right wing and, and many others have their own echo chambers, mm. and there are many people who listen to uh, the, these pundits, these right wing pundits and left wing pundits and others uh, who don't know any better, right? And they haven't heard a contrary voice a yep. dissenting voice yeah so uh, if i can break in and if many other muslims can break into these echo chambers and yes they will they might try to insult denigrate limit interrupt uh, in my case with with just this week uh, as i was responding i was actually kind of saying some things to correct and fact check douglas murray while he was speaking they actually muted my voice <laughs> uh uh, a, few, a few times while he was speaking because they want to give him his unprotected time to speak and then literally after literally after he finished they just say all right okay bye douglas thank you okay now on to something else it's like well wait wait a second i want to respond to douglas i have a refutation of douglas ready you know they say oh well you know he's gone so uh so you know he's he he responded to you and that's that's refuted you now and so there you go so like, well but i have a counter that will expose his claims so um I said, despite all these things, they will there will be a limited amount of time where you can get a few shots in, so to speak, proverbial, proverbially, you know. Um, lest anyone misconstrue that, of course. Uh, you can get a few. Uh, I might edit that bit out. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll rewind it. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, 
so despite the limited amount of time you get, you will still get some time to uh, drop a few nuggets of wisdom, a few gems in there to do some damage I think, to the narrative. I, I hear what you're saying, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm generally against, uh, I'm all for boycotting his platform. I think, however, you, could, you, you have presented a fairly strong case, but it would only, from my point of view, the person coming on to a Piers Morgan platform would have to have all the relevant skills and knowledge and, and personality as well to be able to stand up to his bullying sometimes. I mean, you've really got to be a very skilled, talented person to make it work. Uh, I'm not saying I'm not saying you you weren't that person, by the way, but I, I think ordinarily people shouldn't go on unless they are very well equipped to be successful or at least strike home some points, what you call these drops of wisdom. And I guess then a case could be made, but there aren't that many people around. I mean, it's not Speaker's Corner. We're dealing here with television and, you know, you, you, you can't just rant. You've got to you've got to be understood. You've got to score some points. And if you've got the skill set to do that not many people have, then I guess a, a case can be made. But I would still say generally, I think people shouldn't go on because they're just going to be, you know, uh, churned up in his machine and spat out again. But m maybe you, you have a case. Well, um, I mean, the, the, the problem is, um, uh, as the Dunning-Kruger effect um, <laughs> kind of illustrates, although it's actually commonly misunderstood, but uh, uh, I, I use a reference to, to because people understand this, which is the, the rule is, uh, the least you know, uh, the more confident you are. <laughs> right? uh, yeah. Um, yeah. as uh, as um, ignorance is bliss, you know, or, or, yeah. or even, even a little knowledge is a dangerous thing, and I think that's probably a good saying as well because then you think you know it all, you actually you're just beginning, <laughs> beginning the journey of knowledge. And the irony is, the more you know, uh, as you know, as, as Isaac Newton said, you know. I'm just standing on the shoulders of giants. You know, he he recognized his own ignorance, even though he knew more than anyone else, because he could see so much further. He could understand what he didn't know in the vast scheme of things. Anyway, but uh, yeah. Well, as I said, um, you know, I'm thankful that okay, my show wasn't an interview, so it wasn't just me and Piers Morgan, um, you know, uh, having an intimate conversation. Um, uh, it was it was I was obviously jostling with you know a number of uh, panelists. Yeah. Um, and um, but there were obviously two Muslim Muslim brothers who this week managed to have that one on one interview, yeah. which was did yeah. Dilly and Dr. Yeah. Abdul Wyatt. Uh, yeah. But even even in, in my um, uh, kind of the, the segment that I was speaking in with all these panelists, uh, I managed to say a, a number of things. And I felt right. um, looking at the feedback from many Muslims uh, that they benefited from uh from learning things that they they didn't know necessarily, right. like for example, that the, the Allies never fought the Germans uh, due to uh, for, the, for the sake of Jews and rescuing Jews, it was not done for that a reason. Right. That seems to be the reason that was kind of post hoc presented as uh, the ennobling reason behind the the Allies' um, yeah, yeah. Uh, motivations, but it's, it, it wasn't right because uh, yeah. anti-Semitism was rife. Uh, they didn't care. Uh, yeah. Um, it, not just the fact that the Allies didn't fight uh, the Germans because of, of rescuing Jews, but also, um, you know, FDR, Franklin D. Roosevelt, even tried to suppress the reports in American newspapers uh, before the, the conquest of Germany uh, mm. was, was finalized um, uh, to play down reports of the massacres against Jews in the U.S. Um, press. And, mm. um, and also, you know, many Jewish refugees were turned away from Western countries, 
Uh, and instead it was, oh, no, send them, send them to Palestine. It should be the, the Palestinians that, uh, mm. you know, um, uh, they're the ones that must pay the, the price uh, for the sins of Europe, you know, uh, whereas America has plenty of space. America has plenty of... of um, Certainly well, does. If you go there, it's a vast continent. It's an incredible place. But yeah, just certainly just have a lot of space. Even today, it does. Yeah. And, and and as I said, when I when I, when I say like pay the prices, because World War Two was actually the, the the spur for Zionists to call um, uh, for a uh, initially um, a a a kind of two state solution um, that would uh, deny um, the Palestinians uh, the allotted land given to them uh, by. Uh, sorry, no, I rewind that one. Um, the 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 uh, the World War Two was what actually started. You could say it was the cause of wars that would later come between Palestinians and the Zionists um, uh, in the in the mandate of of Palestine, uh, mm -hmm. because initially the Zionists were hoping for gradual um, immigration to the point they be, they became a a majority, uh, but when the mandate ended in 1940. Uh, seven, 1948, um, the the population was still two thirds Arab, and so you couldn't create a state of Israel uh, with uh, a population where the two thirds are, are Arab. Uh, mm -hmm. And even in the in the lands which were partitioned um, by the UN, uh, it was forty percent Arab, which is which is a, a large minority. And so this would would lead to Zionists having to uh, a kind of uh, accelerate their plans and basically. Um, uh, it would lead to the ethnic cleansing of Palestinians, basically. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. and that's uh, anyway. But that's a so that therefore that's when, when I say that it this meant this meant that the Palestinians would pay the price. It was that which is the es the escalation of the Zionist project because they were hoping that uh, gradually there would be more and more immigration over many more decades, mm -hmm. uh, and until the until uh, Palestinians would just become a natural minority, um, and uh, and so it would be fine. But when time was up. And World War II had tons of, of immigrants needing to, to be settled somewhere and the Western countries refusing to let Jewish immigrants in, even though they could have easily absorbed, absorbed them. Uh, the Palestine, a very small country, uh, was uh, the pressure was increased on it uh, to take more immigrants, even though it's a much smaller land than America, than Canada, than in, in many, other, many other places. So, so that, was, um, yeah, that was it, really, on that. Um, uh, and yeah... Uh, yeah, that was that was that was the issue of it, really. So um, uh, just a, a final question, perhaps. Uh, is there anything you want to say now that you felt you weren't able to express or contribute uh, on your uh, when you were on the show? Uh, well, yes. I mean, like, firstly, as I said, uh, you know, Alhamdulillah, I was able to um, uh, kind of make a few points. Um, uh, uh, correct Douglas Murray, uh, which is always, always fun. And um, always as uh, sorry always necessary as well but, yeah. indeed indeed it's, it's constant work uh, uh but also uh to kind of show Piers morgan's kind of inconsistency uh and it, as i said it was i did enjoy um being able to kind of show to the world that this question he's been asking for uh now two months almost about you know do you condemn uh hamas's terrorist organization that mm. he didn't know uh, what the definition of terrorism was specifically. And um, people were quite shocked by that, basically, that he didn't have it to hand do it. Like, if you've been asking that question, at least you must, you probably have some awareness. You don't have to, you know, get a dictionary out necessarily, you know. Uh, but I think there was a joke made about this that uh, the day after 
um, where he said that he actually he's he's, he's now read up on it. Now, right? So he was kind of forced to read up on it. So Piers Morgan's education, that's what uh, I, uh, maybe he might have uh, uh, benefit. He's benefited from me, basically, from uh, helping mm-hmm. him. But the things I wanted to say on the show, um, there were a few other things I wanted to say, which I didn't get to say. Uh, I didn't get to elaborate. Uh, I did mention uh, there was an individual. I actually did get to mention on the show uh, to uh, something I felt was necessary to mention, which was uh, questioning the events of October the 7th. And right. uh, I referenced a, a kind of a military, a very esteemed military analyst called um, uh, Professor Michael Clark, uh, who's director general of the Royal United Services Institute. Right. Um, and uh, he's a specialist in, uh, in obviously, history, military analysis. Um, and he's consulted on Sky, uh, Sky News. He's consulted. He was consulted by, I think, it was um, uh, Radio Four, I believe. Uh, so he's quite reputable. And I mentioned him in the in the in the, the, the discussion as to to uh, Piers. I said, look, uh, uh, he he's I've, I've got him on record. Him saying that our, his analysis of the September, the um, October the seventh, was that uh, you know Hamas had a, had a military operation. Uh, they uh, that they didn't intend to kill civilians. They didn't tell their soldiers to kill civilians. In essence, we didn't. He didn't say they didn't, they didn't intend, but he just said it was a, an operation to capture hostages, and they lost control of the operation as soon as it started. Uh, they blew holes in the walls of Gaza. Um, other evidence has come in to show that there were people that came along with, uh, not with them, but uh, kind of after them, looters, opportunists, and others, disgruntled uh, Gazans who've lived in uh, obviously uh, bad conditions for. For decades, and they they came out and they saw this as the opportunity, and they committed some atrocious acts, mm-hmm. which there's no justification for, and, and uh, it's it's uh, horrific, and and maybe even some um, Hamas fighters uh, possibly might have broken discipline uh, as well. There's evidence to show uh, that what Michael Clark has said, actually, you know, like he didn't just take this out of thin air, but actually, it there's evidence. For example, uh, there's records of. Um, of uh, you know Israeli eyewitnesses, you know a Hamas fighter comes into a house and says, uh, "Look, uh, don't worry, we're, we're Muslim. We won't, we don't uh, t- kill civilians." Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a, a guy who was a security guard in one of the areas, uh, Israeli security guard. He said that it wasn't it wasn't Hamas that did this. It was it was uh, these uh, other Gazans that came in right afterwards. Right yeah. afterwards, so Hamas just kept fighting the security force and then moving forward. It was these other security guards. There's questions raised about crossfire, um, again, from an Israeli eyewitness who was actually a temporary hostage of Hamas. And she uh, she got uh, she reported that her colleagues got shot by accidentally by um, uh, Israeli security forces coming to rescue them. Uh, just today, there was a, 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 a an article that came out in Haaretz, I believe, um, yeah. which, which um, uh, pointed out that uh, the intelligence intelligence agencies and officials knew about the attack the day before when having urgent consultation the night before but no one notified the nova festival organizers the ones of that music festival mm-hmm. uh to to get out of the way uh to to evacuate to to leave and 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 others um and and many other things that there's there's uh, uh captured uh hamas fighters were giving an interview i managed to mention this briefly in the, in the piers morgan in, in, um show uh, who, when interviewed by obviously Israeli interrogators, and, and they were asked, uh, you know, do you believe that women and children, civilians, can be targeted? He said, no, it's it's forbidden. It's forbidden mm-hmm. in Islam. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were taught this in the mosques. We were taught this in the masjid. I say, okay, yeah. uh, you know, who controls the religious education in the mosques in Gaza? Right. 
this is the question you know we have to ask so of course it's going yeah. to be hamas but you contrast that to the um recorded sayings of uh, recorded uh, uh kind of confessions and uh, interrogations of uh, isis fighters and they'll say yeah of course you can target civilians in the west could target civilians uh, shia civilians and others uh that you know there's there's a it, it's okay they, they will say that that it's okay to do so so they would admit, admit that but why would hamas fighters yeah. uh if they were told that it's okay to kill jewish civilians why wouldn't they say the same thing these are questions that were raised and so people like michael clark and others um said look you know it's yes civilians were killed and it's atrocious and horrific but it might not have been the intent of of hamas there wasn't their orders uh, there was a, uh, a a documentation i was going to mention this in the, in the um Piers morgan show but i didn't get time there was a documentation uh, found on the dead body of a Hamas fighter with their mission parameters were given. Their op- their orders were basically uh, on it. And it said, mentioned nothing about killing civilians. It said, basically, uh, uh, you know, attacks on objectives, conquer it, take hostages for negotiation. Right, that's what it said, and that's it. Right, yeah. And we, we know we can rely on that uh, document being most likely true because it was it was uh, one of the first responders uh, from Israel's, Israel's side coming. Yeah. Um, found it on a dead body of a Hamas fighter and just put it straight on a telegram group, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so whereas we can say, well, that's most likely not a fake, mm-hmm. fake document because it was instantly put up very quickly and it's in Arabic and you know, all this stuff pretty, pretty quickly. So all these pieces, when you add them together, it looks like, um, I think as uh, Norman Finkelstein uh, described as uh, like the Nat Turner rebellion, it was a slave rebellion in America uh, by by slaves who were brutalized and so on. Yeah, it's a good analogy. Yeah. And and yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, uh, like you know, many of those slaves they they rose up against their, their slave masters, and some of those slaves killed you know the the, ma- the their former masters, women and children, and so on and so forth, who are who are innocents um, uh, because of their the, the the brutalization that they received. It doesn't justify it. it it's a uh, but if we are going to approach this as criminologists would, um, and we are trying to understand. Uh, why why people would do certain things or what, what's happened? It seems to make more sense that yes, um, uh, Hamas lost control of the operation and and as I said, ISIS were publicly on their platforms uh, back in the day. They would justify and announce that they can they can kill civilians, Western civilians, Shia yeah. civilians, and so on and yeah, so forth. Yeah. Bin Laden, it was open, uh, openly said that that was possible. Uh, so yeah, so Hamas could have said that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and and whereas whereas uh, Hamas have publicly said on multiple platforms that they didn't uh, they didn't order any killing of civilians, mm-hmm. uh, multiple times. And I even pointed out in the show yeah. that the guy that uh, at the beginning of the show, um, Piers Morgan showed a clip of a of a of a Hamas representative um, talking about to in an Arabic program, saying that we will we are ready to launch operations against Israel again and again and again until Palestine. Uh, you know, until uh, we, we we reach our, the, the the we get the rights for Palestinians and so on and so forth. Mm. Um, and I said, well, that very same guy himself has publicly denied that Hamas ever wanted to target civilians. Mm. So how comes when Israel is 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 uh, carpet bombing or saturation bombing uh, Gaza, uh, you take them at their word that they are not targeting civilians, mm-hmm. but you don't take Hamas at its word when it says. They're not targeting civilians. When if they really believed it was okay to do so, why would they be shy to admit it? I mean, they would be open about it. And of course, there is a narrative there, um, which is that uh, Palestinian uh, uh, Palestinian groups, such as Hamas and others, they just want to kill every single Jew they can get their hands on, which is the Zionist narrative um, currently being a popular Zionist narrative currently being spun. 
Uh, and I was going to, again, I was going to point out that both in the 1988, the infamous 1988 um, charter of Hamas, uh, they mention, and I'm, I've mentioned it before uh, in, in discussions, that uh, they they envision uh, Palestine under Islamic law, and it's one united Palestine, but they, they say that um, uh, Jews, Muslims, and Christians can live peacefully together under Islamic law, right? So I, I cite this mainly to point out that this does not sound like it fits the the this narrative that they just hate Jews and want to kill all Jews. Mm -hmm. uh, likewise, their uh, 2017 charter, this revised version, is uh, it, it expressly ex um, makes the case that it's not we're not fighting uh, we're not fighting uh, Zionists because they're Jews. Uh, we're fighting because of the the, the land they took and the, and and so on. we just want that land back and so on and so forth. And there's also, of course, Sheikh Yassin, who's the um, uh, the, the it's called the spiritual founder of uh, uh, or spiritual leader, sorry, of of Hamas, uh, who was on record saying, I mean, there was a there's a video clip of him basically saying that uh, uh, he's responding to the Zionist narrative against him, saying that he they just hate Jews and want to want to kill all yeah. Jews. And he says, look, Jews are a people of deen, uh, people of religion. He said, uh, "We love people of religion, right? It's not we don't fight them for that. We fight them because they took the land." Now, yeah. I, the reason why I want to mention this, and I feel it's important, is not because of um, uh, to to uh, uh, to to just kind of talk about Hamas for its own sake, but because if we're going to talk about the conflict there, and we're going to we want to seek a solution, we have to be uh, factually accurate about the people's motivations, about their grievances, and about about what happened so that i would say that you can't really deny that civilians were killed in october the 7th uh, israeli civilians were killed right there's no denying that there's there's bodies everywhere there's pictures of it and so on and so forth we have to be factually accurate that there was an atrocity was committed but likewise we have to also be factually accurate in uh, not misportraying hamas or, or fatah or any other palace of the, the the groups of the palestinians their mm. motives that they just want to kill all jews they want yeah. to do a Holocaust when no, they've always been consistent in what they've been saying. And if we want to find a solution um, to 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 uh, to resolve injustices there and to address people's grievances, uh, we have to be factually accurate. So that's why I really kind of uh, wanted to say. Uh, and the last point was about Abdul Wahid himself. I think we'll end on that point because the whole point of the show was about Dr. Abdul Wahid. And um, I wanted to say that you know one of the right wing tropes is they say that you know these immigrants come to uh come to the uk uh come to the west and they just live on social welfare handouts and pay and so on and so forth and they don't contribute anything beneficial and yet they were complaining that dr abdul has a job and yeah. is working for 25 years and what i wanted to say to douglas murray before he left and obviously uh sorry uh I mean, I didn't. I didn't even know he was going to leave. I thought he was going to be there for the whole the whole discussion. He just ran off. Right. I was going to say to him, I, I, maybe I'll, I'll say it through this camera lens, right? Um, to Douglas Murray, how many lives have you saved, Douglas? You say that Dr. Abdullah hasn't contributed any good to this country. How many lives have you saved? The only thing he's ever contributed to England is to publish books and get paid a lot of money, uh, exploiting people's hatred of. Uh, immigrants and and the and other people he hasn't how many lives have he, has he saved not a single one how many lives has dr abdul wahid saved in how many british lives has dr abdul wahid saved 
through his consultations, his, his evaluations, his spotting things, uh, cancer early and getting treatment for people and a whole number of, how many lives has he made easier and uh, from pain and suffering by getting them the right treatments they need. I think if we judge the contribution of Douglas Murray to the contribution of, of Dr. Abdulwahid, uh, and we were judging who stays and who leaves, it won't be Dr. Abdulwahid who deserves to leave. And of course, the doctor is an NHS doctor. He has, he's not chosen to go private and make lots of money in Harley Street in London here, you know, to kind of exploit the rich. No, he, he worked in the public sector, which is obviously much less well paid uh, for many, many years, as you say. So uh, there's proof there that he's a man of public service um, rather than graft or self-enrichment. Yeah, so so that's it. I mean, they want to kick, kick out doctors uh, and, and make Muslims, they want to make us uh, uh, jobless and at the same time complain that we uh, take money from social welfare. Like, make your mind up. Do, can we have jobs? <laughs> or, or, or should we uh, take social, you know, welfare? So, uh, which you don't like us doing. So, make your mind up. Of course, I'm, I'm concerned they might say we want you just to leave, uh, uh, whether consensually or not. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> probably a bluff on that. They might do. They might give the wrong answer. But yeah, yeah. I, but you, you, I know what you're. I know what you're trying to say. It's a good point, actually. Abdullah, good point. Well, thank you very much. You know, just finally, uh, I think you got a website. Have you advocateforpalestine.com? Is that right? Yes. So, I mean, I have a normal blog website, which is called AbdullahAlAndalusi.com. Uh, bit of a long one. Um, but I am um, starting up a course after seeing what's been happening in, in Gaza. Um, and I, I have done a course for the Quran Institute before, which was um, a Palestine advocacy course, which was kind of a uh, a basic one on, on, on history of Palestine, A to Z, with some discussions of, of um, some of the arguments by Zionists and, and 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 uh, you know where Palestinian advocacy can address those, but I felt like after the recent events, um, Muslims need to on mass uh, and even non-Muslims too are welcome to uh, become expert in advocating for uh, Palestine. There's a lot of detailed technical knowledge that uh, many Muslims don't know, uh, many non-Muslims don't know. And I decided to, I want to aim uh, to kind of have uh, thousands of, of people uh, trained up with advanced knowledge such wow. that they could confidently stand uh, in front of even Alan Dershowitz um, and be able to not be surprised by anything he says and to mm. give effective counter arguments uh, that completely um, stump him. So uh, it's advocate for Palestine. So, so, so advocate for Palestine. Dot com. Is that right? Dot com. Yeah. Advocate for Palestine.com. Nice and simple. And inshallah, yes. uh, you can go there, just uh, sign, sign up your email address uh, and inshallah um, you, to get notifications of, of, uh, of uh, what, when the course will begin and what it will entail and so on and so forth, inshallah. OK, well, obviously that link is in the description below. So do click on that, sign up and become expert. Uh, it's very important that more and more people become very knowledgeable and able to refute uh, lies and misinformation, disinformation and just sheer ignorance. So uh, that's fantastic uh, work there. So uh, thank you very much indeed, Abdullah Adalusi, um, from London. We're both here in London today. And um, and uh, it's fantastic. Uh, to... Yeah, I can just see you just see down the road. <laughs> yeah, we're actually in the same room. People don't realise. We're just pretending yeah. to be in two places. No, we're not. Um, so um, thank you very much indeed, Abdullah. And uh, I think we're going to be back next week, inshallah, um, for um, a, um, a related but different theme. So I'll mention that uh, on social media beforehand. But uh, until then, thank you very much, Abdullah. Assalamu alaikum to you. Barakallahu alaikum wa alaikum as 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.